Lend me your ears, dear listener, as I shall take you forth on a journey. We shall hear tale of things long listened to. There shall be mysterious stories of things that were seen, things that were played, and verily there shall be a laugh or two in the skits, silly voices, and a couple of queer transladies. Gather now and enjoy our tale. Strangers, queer and pleasant. I'm not Laura Cake Dale. Ah, and I'm not Jane Iris Magna. And I definitely know how to say words. And welcome hey. to another episode of Queer and Pleasant Strangers, that podcast where two queer trans ladies talk about our weeks and have a bit of a catch up and do some skits and silly voices. Catch up, catch up. Oh, how are you doing this week? Uh, it's been, it's been I've a had better weeks, but yeah, it's been a. It's been a very organised-y sort of... There's been a lot going on this week. There's been a lot going on. A lot to do. Uh, I lost but... I lost like half a day today to Googling uh, Dutch phrases. That ate up my day. Learning a bit of Dutch. And learning how to read th- my own travel tickets for a work trip. Ooh. <laughs> yeah. Which by, by, the time you, by the time you hear this, I will be in the Netherlands. Doing, You're going doing to all... Never Neverland. I'm going to Never Neverland to do video gamey adventures. I hear it's very flat. That's really all I know about. Uh, flat is good. That requires fewer hills. Um, everywhere I need to be is 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 really easy to get to. So I'm very happy about that. Ooh. Very little having to navigate foreign public transport. That's um, yeah. Like the less. Getting stuck on a metro somewhere. Well, this is it. I have like I have a journey that takes me to the country, and then I meet someone I already know who I share a language with, who takes me to a place, and then I can get myself to everywhere without having to rely on language barriers. Mm-hmm. So it's gonna that that's always nice when travelling. Nice. Ah, uh, so should we jump into things we've done this week? <gasps> Tell me about something that you have played. Well, since last week, I have finished uh, playing through the Switch port of To The Moon, Heck. Uh, which I believe last week I had started playing. Uh, I talked a little bit about. Um, it's largely the same game it's ever been. Um, it's still an RPG maker type game where you go around collecting memory orbs and going back through a story about someone's brain. There's a couple of new interactive, like, little, um, there's a couple of, like, mini games and things that have been inserted in that weren't in the original version. There's a couple of visual effects that have been changed. There's been some minor updating here and there. And I think it's largely all for the positive, but like there will be certain things if you've played it as many times as I have that you'll go, that's that's not how that was exactly before. But like no- nothing that's like you know affecting the the story or anything. Um, having played this game through probably seven or eight times, uh, maybe more. Like every year or two, I end up coming back to it. But um. There are things in that game's writing that I had not noticed until chat pointed them out because I played it on stream, uh, where I'm like, oh, that that is clever, and that broke my heart, and oh god, I'd never noticed that before. Um, uh, how do I how do I put this in a good spoiler-free way? Um, there is a particular memory in that game that for a while is a bit of a stumbling block that you have to work out how to get past, and it smells of roadkill, 
which is kind of significant to solving a puzzle. And someone pointed out the significance of that fact, and it kind of... I, I was like, oh, oh, I see. Um, but yeah, it continues to be a game that I have very near and dear to myself. Um, I played it many, many, many times through, but still, I played it on stream and cried more than once. Had a couple of, you know, a couple of times where I stopped and had emotional, emotional talks and talked about feelings and, you know, did a little bit of a cry occasionally. Particularly when that one song that has words in it plays and then I go, oh, oh shit, you, you, you get me, game. You shall have a cuddle. Yeah. I want to get a To The Moon themed tattoo at some point. I have a couple of ideas of things I'd like to get done. Mm. There's um, there's one design in particular that I think might be really nice, which was a um, it's either either the the design of the lighthouse they use in it, or there is an origami rabbit that's sort of yellow but with a blue stomach. Uh, sorry, blue with a yellow stomach. Wrong way around there. Um, that is a really nice design that I could maybe go for. What about you? What have you been playing this week? Uh, um. I mean, I'm pretty sure as of this morning I finished writing Festy Quest. Yeah, and I have since last week played a pretty complete version. I helped. You did a playtesting. I helped to demonstrate some places where fools like me might get stuck. <laughs> well, I yeah. Why won't this word work? That's not on the list of words. I've added some words. I've added <laughs> some synonyms. I've. I've... I've added some swears, because Justin's playing it as well now. Uh, you've made sure that I can't break the that, that quest at the end that I managed to break. Yep, you can hang out the washing effectively. Yep, I, I will no longer break the washing. People know how to use the ice cream. Yep, yep. <laughs> yeah. That is a heck of a thing you've made. Uh, for, for anyone who is either a new listener or has forgotten, this is your text adventure you've been working it's on for a while. It's the text adventure I've been working on for about nine months. Uh... uh you you wake up in a in a forest with no Naked. clothes, and you go get to the festival, and you upset some squirrels. That you have, and you have to get your clothes back in your backpack, and then go home and get all the stuff. Yeah, and on the way you meet some squirrels and the unicorn and some sheeple and <laughs> all sorts of things, and a big farmer. It's it's quite it's quite. It's it's a very amusingly written adventure. I'm I am glad a, you enjoy my I'm a big enjoyer. I I cannot wait for more people to experience this for it to get to slightly wider people. Well, it will be available to my um, Patreon supporters as soon as it's finished, mm -hmm. and then I'll just make it available for everyone probably sometime in April. Well then, so there you go. All it's right. really good. You should support Jane on Patreon. Uh, where can people do that so uh, that they can play it straight away? Because it's really good. Patreon.com/slash/DontMonkeyRadio. Yeah, I I as little as a dollar a month. Do do that thing. Play that game. It's real good. Jane has been putting a lot of a lot of her best <laughs> comedy energy into it. Oh well, uh, I hope that it is is received in its good silliness. I hope so. Mm hmm. Uh, what about you? Have you played anything else? Yeah. So I have uh, that game. I keep I've been talking about a bit the last couple of weeks. Uh, weird and unfortunate things are happening. Yeah. It's that sort of um, RPG maker RPG that has like an eight hour demo currently available uh, for a fifteen hour game. I have now played the first four hours of it, mm -hmm. and I am absolutely loving this game. Um, so I don't believe I talked about it in any particular depth last week. So um, the main things that I've come across, like getting four or so hours into it, I really like 
all of the the main characters in the party right now. They all have very distinct, uh, memorable personalities that make sense with their gameplay, their sort of combat role within the party. I very much like the random encounter combat system that they've got going. Yeah. Um, I described it to you as being a bit like a sort of traffic light, red, red, yellow, green light system. Um, basically, you've got a meter that fills up as you walk around, and you can tell when a random battle is going to be triggered because the bar gets filled up. And the more enemies you defeat, the more random battles you successfully complete, uh, the bar eventually goes starts at red, which is like the fastest it fills, then goes to yellow as it's like, ah, oh, you know, you... Thing. It, it slows down how fast it's filling. You see random battles less frequently. The idea is the the coloured light system basically indicates to you how frequently you're going to have to fight random battles and how you're doing on the levelling curve is the way I've interpreted it. Like, if it's red, I probably need to do more fights in this area before I move on because, you know, it's not gone down the stage yet. If it goes to yellow, I'm probably on track with where I want to be. You know, I could stick around and do more, but I'm probably, you know, on pace at this point. Um, so that's been a really nice system. It reminded me a lot of the sort of the inverse of Undertale's genocide mode, where you had to... Undertale had its thing where when you were trying to kill absolutely every character, random battles would slow down in frequency as a punishment, whereas here it's, no, you've done enough random battles here, don't worry about it, you feel free to go on, you should be fine. Um, so that's been really nice. I really enjoy the writing of there are some otherworldly gods that are involved in the narrative, and they are mysterious and creepy as heck, and they all have very different uh, written speech styles that feels very appropriate for things that are, like, essentially the god of a different, you know, aspect of reality. It feels appropriate that they should talk in very different ways. Um, those have all been really satisfying. Yeah, I'm just really enjoying this game. I, I am still on a quest to find out where my niece is. Um, we got to where we hoped she would be, and she wasn't there, and we found some... Uh, dude who's been building robots and maybe been abducting people to a UFO? It's, it's feeling very Undertale. Uh, very, very Earth... Well, very Undertale as well, but very Earthbound in its sort of surrealness. Um, but yeah, four hours in, I'm still really enjoying this game and I can't wait to play more of it. I'm going to be really gutted when I... Because I keep thinking about it like, I've got maybe two more live streams in this and then I'm going to hit the end of the demo. And I'm going to be... I'm gonna be real gutted having to wait more longer for this game because it's real fun. You you can go check out the first eight hours on itch.io. Go check it out. I'm having a lot of fun with it. it costs you nothing to do so. Exactly. You completely for free can play eight hours of a game. I'm having a lot of fun with. Mm -hmm. Uh, what about you? What have you been playing? I've played an indie game that isn't out yet. Oh yes, a potato tail. A potato tail. This is one of those games what I'm anticipating. Yeah, it was on your twenty-five-ish games of twenty twenty. Yeah, I think this was the ish because it's going to be like early twenty twenty-one. But yeah. uh, it's it's the one that I was like, yeah, I'll we'll put it on there anyway. Yeah, how'd you get on with the demo? Um, it 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 has some some loading <laughs> things. Um, yeah. but once I got it running, it was it was fun. This is this is always the thing with with 
early builds of, of unreleased games. Yeah. Mileage may vary on performance. There was a couple of times when I was like, oh, it's not loading. I don't know what's going on. It's just gone to black. It was working when I tested it originally. And I was just like, and, and while I was sitting there waffling to chat about what I might have to do instead, yeah. it just loaded. Yeah. Over the course of about five minutes. If anyone anyone who has ever done any, has either read about game development or done game development can tell you, um, things like performance and polish are always the very last things they get done. Things like cutting down loading times, optimization. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's fine. I just, I mean, yeah, it's been a while since I've played anything this early. Um, that's fair. <laughs> Like there, there is the outlines of a good game there, and yeah. like the the video at the end implies that there's going to be a lot more to it. Yeah, I am excited to see all of those things as well. So the the the, the mechanic in the mm. demo was that you were doing a lot of stuff with static electricity with yeah, these, so, these bean cats. So the bean cats have um, they produce a lot of static electricity, and then there are these rings on the wall that are mm. like sources of static. So you can like attach a type of cat <laughs> to one of these wall rings, and maybe there will be like another thing near a wall ring that needs interacting with. So, like, let's say a chandelier needs to be cut down so that mm. you can pr- proceed. You might put your soldier. I think it's your soldier or your guard up there, um, and then you'll hit Y, and they'll use their sword and slash the the chandelier down. Yeah. Or you could just use them as a stepping stone, which gets all my anti-royalist thoughts <laughs> going, because <laughs> mm, you're a princess and you're standing on just people just I, standing. I can empathise with, with this uh, disconnect. If we had it the other way around, if I could be a peasant stepping on, on the yeah, royalty. Yeah, I'd be well up for that. Just you know, gluing members of the royal can, household. Can I pick which member of this procession of collected cats I can be? So I can be like, ah yes, royal cat, you are a stepping stone to my Indeed. victory. How about dismember? Ah. Um, yeah, it's and you can like chain cats together to make like longer platforms to stand on. Yeah. Um, yeah, it's there's some interesting puzzling stuff. The the world is quite pretty. I would like to see a more complete version before I make any firm judgments. Oh, that. this is always the problem with something this early. <laughs> yeah, exactly. It's it's a long ways away. I'm I'm looking forward to playing more. Yeah. The the comparatively the stuff in the trailer seems really promising, Ooh. and obviously, like it seems like they've done a lot of work since this demo was sort of together. Yeah. Uh, like the voice acting uh, samples in the trailer seem very promising. Like there's a, there's a lot of stuff I'm anticipating about it and you know you, there's always that line to walk when you you judge something like a year out from being ready particularly in the indie space yeah, but, uh, and, and they're talking about like jrpg stuff yeah. at the moment all i've seen is platformer things yeah and i look forward to seeing all of those other things they mention because it, yeah. it all looks good it there's enough there's enough in this demo from what i've seen to go like yeah yeah i have no reason to suspect this won't turn out to be a something something fun hopefully yeah so. I, I have played less complete take demos before. Indeed. Mm. Uh, what you got? Anything else? Me? Uh, let me pull the list up. I'm sure I've got something else. Yeah, um, many things. Yeah, I've played many things. Many um, things. So I have been playing some... I, I don't think I played any of this last week. Uh, Temtem. Tell me about the not Pokemon. Oh, it's Pokemon. It is unapologetically... But, but it's not so Pokemon. It's, no. it's the game that you've probably seen headlines going around social media... Pokemon the MMO! It's a Pokemon MMO! 
Um, I think what people have actually seen on social media is pronouns! Pronouns! Oh, okay, yeah. Pronouns! You can pick your pronouns. You can have they, them pronouns and whatnot. Yeah, it is unapologetically Pokemon. Um, With its IVs. Yes. So I will talk about the things that are 100% exactly copied from Pokemon, and then I will talk about what makes this original. So um, it is a top-down adventure game where you pick one of three different types of, of monster to be your first monster, go off on a quest to collect, um, currently there's only about 80, but there's going to be about 150 when they finish early access, uh, various creatures to go and collect that you battle in random encounters by walking around in the grass, and then they'll sort of leap out at you. You weaken them. Uh, when their little health meter's down in the red, you throw an object at them to capture them in it, so you can use them in your own battles. You have teams of six of them with you at any one time. Each of them can learn up to four moves and ha have them in its four move slots. Have an amount of PP? Uh, no. Ooh. Oh, we'll get we'll get to that. They have they do have something different to PP. Um, but you go around defeating the eight gyms to uh, go and do the big championship. You have to defeat totally not Team Rocket. Um, things evolve at about the same levels that they do in Pokemon. So like. If you've got a three-stage evolution, it's probably going to evolve its first time at level 16, second time at like level 32. The HP numbers as you level up are about the same. Uh, they've got IVs, which is like the term for inherent uh, individual values. That thing that tells you how much potential a Pokemon has. And they call it the same like very specific term that Pokemon uses. Although Pokemon didn't actually use the term, it was more of a fan. Uh, they, for years, it was a fan thing, and now it is officially acknowledged. Like, it now gets officially discussed. Um, but, they're right. uh, everything about this is Pokemon. Uh, you don't have overworld visible encounters like you have in, say, Let's Play Pikachu... Uh, yeah, Let's Play Pikachu and Eevee, or Sword and Shield. You don't have, like, Pokemon wandering around on the map. Um... Let's talk about what is different. The game does have, mm, I would say, a more compelling kind of online multiplayer than the Pokemon games currently do. Um, you can play through the entire game in co-op, including the story mode, assuming that you're at about the same level as each other because it doesn't really do anything to scale if you're wildly different levels, but you can go through all the story mode stuff together, um, and the way that they balance this to make co-op work is, even when you're not playing in co-op, all fights are two-on-two -two battles. So you always send out, as long as you've got them, you always send out two Pokemon at a time, which is a an optional format in Pokemon. It's not the standard. What this means is if you, you know, jump in in co-op, instead of you having six Pokemon and sending out two of yours at a time... You send out one, and your friend sends out one, and that keeps the balance, you know, because it's collectively you've sent out two against the opponents too, and that works really well. It means that you can do co-op play without completely overpowering the enemy. It was a problem with the co-op play in Let's Go Pikachu and Eevee was you just steamrolled everything if you had a second player. Um, instead of PP, which is Pokemon's like. This is how many uses of this move you have before you can't use that move anymore. Uh, each Pokemon, uh, each Temtem here, <laughs> has a stamina bar. And different moves will take up different amounts of stamina. Stronger moves take up more stamina points. Uh, weaker moves take up less. But 
It's all out of the Pokemon's one shared stamina pool, which won't reset until you finish the battle. Um, if you try and do an attack and don't have enough stamina for it, the Pokemon will do the attack, but it will injure itself in the process. Um, the idea here is to stop you steamrolling the whole game using just your one strongest Temtem that you've stuck at the front of your party. Like, you're not going to do the whole thing of, I have one really strong Charizard and that fights everything. Because um, inevitably, if your opponent has got, like, a full team of Pokemon, you're going to go, oh no, my, my, my thing up the front of the party has run out of stamina, I need to switch into something else. It forces you to use more of your party and to more frequently rotate them in and out, which... It's a learning curve as someone that's used to Pokemon, but I could certainly see what they're going for, and it I think it achieves that pretty well. It It is a good system for encouraging, you know, not allowing one strong thing to just party-wipe someone. Um, those are the main things I would say right now that have, like, have stood out as significantly different. Um... Uh, there, there's a there's a couple of other things. So I've learned about shiny temtems. That that was yes. the thing I learned about. Yeah, um, I listened to last week's uh, podquisition, <laughs> and I was like, "Oh, this is a nice conversation you're having about an almost Pokemon." And then Jim mentioned the yeah. Luna, and I was yeah. like, "No, don't sell so, that." So I I know about <laughs> it. Um. So here's the thing. I am I have I am actually not going to go after them because I do not have that time in my life, and I'm I I. I know my limits. I know when what what will be like. Oh no, that will be a step too far, and it'll cause me problems in my life. I've lived long enough to recognise that. But I have learnt about these the shiny temtems or lunar temtems mainly just out of a curiosity of what other collecting monster games are doing in that genre. Um, so in the wild, there is zero way to raise your odds of getting a shiny. Um, in Pokemon, obviously, you can, uh, in Sword and Shield, you defeat 500 lifetime knockouts, and that raises a number in your Pokedex, and that brings your catch odds down to something like, a uh, 1 in 500 of a shiny. A shiny charm. Um, yeah, shiny charm, things like that. <clears throat> this has none of those. Uh, and your base odds for finding a shiny are worse than they are in Pokemon. Uh, I believe the default odds in Sword and Shield are around 1 in 4,000. I think in Temtem, I might... Uh, don't quote me on this. I I know it's above 1 in 4,000. I think it's around 1 in 7,000. Um. However, once you have a shiny Temtem, there, you can use that to get more of them more easily. The way that Temtem's system works is if you breed a shiny Temtem and a non-shiny Temtem uh, together... Uh, 1 in 6,000, sorry, thank you. Uh, thank you for that, Jane. Well, I mean, it's still well over 1 in 4,000. Um, yeah, if you breed a shiny and a non-shiny together in Temtem, you get odds of around 1 in one in 500 or so, which is about the odds that you would get, like, just from the start in breeding, uh, in Pokemon. Uh, if you breed two shiny Temtem together, you get, like, a 1 in 60 odds, uh, yeah, well, yeah, one in sixty. Uh, one in six hundred was the the one shiny one. Not. Thank you for pulling this up, Chain. My my numbers were pretty pretty all right off memory. Um, one in one in sixty. Uh, which is way above any odds you get in Pokemon. But you need to already have two shiny Temtems to do that. That are with incompatible breeding groups and whatnot. And I can see if you luck into finding a shiny one, I could see how 
you could have a theoretically much quicker route to, to collecting all the shiny ones, but I'm not getting into that. I cannot, I cannot let myself do this. I have my one collection I'm working on, and I'm making good progress, and I'm not going to go after those Temtems. But that's if, if you're a shiny collecting person, that's how it differs. Uh, having having put like five six hours into Temtem, it's unashamedly Pokemon. If you're playing it through in single player, um, without playing co-op, it's basically just Pokemon. Uh, they they took all of the element types of all the Pokemon and just renamed them. They added like two new ones. There's like there's like Dream type and Crystal type or something. Um, but it's basically here's all of the existing Pokemon types and how they affect each other. We just gave them new names but kept all the symbols and basic types the same. So they're not fire, water, and ice. They're oh, like hot, cold, and let, wet. Let me, let me find the <laughs> list because it's it's ridiculous how much they're just uh, cribbing Temtem uh, types. Because this this weapon wheel is ludicrous. Um, yes. So fire is still fire. Yep. Grass is now nature. Water yeah. is water. Uh, lightning is is electric. Fighting's melee. Yeah. Mental. Uh, psychic is mental. Uh, ground type is earth type. Flying type is wind type. Crystal is new. Uh, that's the other one. Digital is the new type. And it looks like a Masingno. Yeah, it looks a little like a Masingno. Uh, poison is toxic. But you can see that is that is very much the Pokemon. And I guess normal is neutral type. Oh yeah, normal is is it neutral is normal. Normal is neutral. Um, it it is it is just Pokemon. Pokemon. If you're playing through in single player, this is a new Pokemon campaign that has a slightly different mechanic around how many times you can use moves. And that's not a bad thing. If you don't own a Nintendo system and you have a bit of a craving for Pokemon, this is a PC Pokemon game. I'm curious about the post-game because they, they're they apparently adding more creatures over time. Um, That seems like an interesting thing, perhaps. I'm curious to see if any kind of competitive scene comes out of it at all. Do you um, think this could be the beginning of like uh, a whole new slew of Pokemon-ish? I... Uh, there have been countless not-Pokemons over the years, and what I will say is... Pretenders to the throne. <laughs> I think it's very early to say one way or the other if this one's going to be successful. Yeah. What I think is interesting is this is probably the most flagrant... Um, mimicry of the Pokemon formula that hasn't decided to throw in unnecessary weird things just to go, this is what makes us different. Um, and by being on PC and mechanically being almost identical to Pokemon, I honestly think this, like, I hope, okay, I'm not going to say I think, I hope that this lights a bit of a fire under Nintendo, because Nintendo's really complacent with Pokemon. I love the Pokemon games. Um, the Pokemon company does not feel any great need to innovate because why would they? Nothing fucking touches them. I can see the fact that this has competent co-op online and it's available on something that's not Nintendo. Uh, and I know it's coming to Switch and consoles uh, next year once it leaves early access. And it's and got a manga, right? I believe so, yeah. I'm like... This one has the makings of something that could force Nintendo, uh, could force Nintendo and the Pokemon Company to actually get their finger out their ass and start, you know, 
Perhaps. I, I would like to see this be a thing, because the more time I've put into it, it's kind of cute. I'm enjoying it. I like some of the I like some of the creature designs. Um I I like some of the the stuff with with obviously with pronouns and stuff and character customization is really nice. Um it's a pretty nice Pokemon clone that I am not going to let myself get sucked into shiny hunting on. Good plan. I had someone offer me one I was like no, I'm not taking it. I don't I don't want your shiny. I don't want your Luna Luna Temtem. I can't do it. Uh what about you? What else have you been playing? We played some some boarded games. Some boarded games? We did. We played Mysterium. Oh, is that our one with the ghosts what we did? Yeah, it's Cluedo with seances. I mean, kind of, <laughs> yeah. Um, I mean, that's, that's I guess I guess I've said everything. Basically, one person is a ghost, other per another person or other people are uh, psychics who are there to investigate the murder. Each uh, investigator is basically assigned by the ghost with a, a person, a place, and a murder weapon. Mm. Each uh, investigator has to try and get to the end and establish like like who their their set of three is. These this is helping you gather all your suspects together, mm. and then there is a final round where everyone is sort of given clues uh in the form of dreams <laughs> but we'll come to that in a second yeah. um to basically say hey i did is it which of these suspects is it yeah it's a bit of a convoluted reason for why you have to pick however many uh, groups of, of weapon thing it's and because place. it's because every, we want everyone at the table to have a chance to play divination with the ghost Basically. I, I think the key difference to point out between this and Cluedo before we get on to explaining the dreams mechanic is that Cluedo is competitive, whereas this is cooperative. Yes. Um, all of the individual players, plus the ghost, are all working towards the same objective. It's yes. how do we overcome... I suppose, how would you overcome a language barrier? Because the ghost isn't allowed to talk. No. In fact, well, I mean, you, you can... But you're not really allowed to talk about your suggestions, and it is recommended that the best way to play the game is not to talk at all, and the ghost will only respond with one knock for yes, two knocks for no. Or occasional... We weren't supposed to be doing that, no. but we did, just to be I, I enjoy ghost ambience noises. Uh, yeah, so getting back to the dreams. So yeah. basically you have to, as the ghost pass dreams on to your your um psychics because apparently they nap every hour yeah <laughs> so the way i would describe this mechanically is almost like consentical <sighs> in that it's about trying to impart meaning without using words it's got that same sort of feel kind of but, but like with consentical like you can say you can easily mime a lick yeah this or something like this that. is a lot more Abstract. This is more. I have seven cards in my hand, and yes. they're things like a, a flying boat with paper aeroplanes, or a man on a penny farthing with a uh, smashing um, beard and moustache, and a, a lovely hat yeah. who has some some chimney sweep brushes over over his shoulder. And but he's riding through the sky. Yeah. Or there's like paper boats on the water, but the water also turns into a tree. That's that's it. it. It's a lot of trying to communicate like 
okay, that's a... I've given you a dream that has a fishing rod uh, somewhere in the picture. Um, as the, then the player has to intuit, does that fishing rod maybe mean um, that you're trying to catch a fish and maybe it means that uh, frying pan over there? Or maybe it means uh, that room with all the boat equipment in it because... Uh, water, fishing rod. Well, it will be very specifically to okay. whatever round yeah. you're in. I, so if you're in the people round, it will yes. be, hey, is it uh, is it the, the chef because they might be cooking fish? Or is it this person who is a hunter? Yes. And I suppose fishing is a type of hunting. That's, that's a better example. Uh, I was, or, I was it, struggling to remember things that were water related. <laughs> or, or is it like this person who has just some blue on their clothes and that yeah. was literally the best the ghost had? Yes, because there were... Sometimes it, there's such a varying degree of ways to interpret these things because there's there's one that I I did because the man on the flying penny farthing kind of looked like the man in one of the the cards. Yes, but there were also two other men with beards and moustaches. Well, I didn't think they looked that similar, but, but once you described it, I was like, oh god, I suppose you're right. Um, uh, yeah, there was one where I was trying to show like a vase, and I picked this one with a tower in it because the top of the tower I thought looked quite a lot like the top of the vase. And I barely registered the tower at all. Yeah, but like it's it's trying to find as the ghost you're looking through these these interpretive bits of artwork, and they're gorgeous artwork yeah. by the way. Um, trying to go like which one of these do I think will instantly get linked to the one thing I want it to get linked to. And not accidentally get interpreted as something else. It's trying to find the clearest possible piece of art amongst a hand of potentially not very... It, it's definitely not as direct as, say, Consentical, where you yeah. can mime out a very specific act. Yeah. Although, like, there are other like other levels of Consentical. There's one where you're only yeah. allowed to use, like, just looking at each other and no mimes. I mean... There's another one where you're supposed to wear sunglasses. <laughs> I feel like this is halfway between the only look at each other at other's eyes and the miming stage of consentical. It's somewhere in between those two. Yeah, kind of, because you're passing a message, but you only have limited control about what that message actually is. Yes, it's it's sort of like um, those games where you have to describe a thing without saying a list of words that tell say what the thing is. Yeah, it's but that... you might also randomly throw in things yeah. that are sort of... Tangentially surreal about that object. Yeah, it's it, it had the whole feel of of trying. It reminded me in points of Twin Peaks. Trying to <laughs> no, but you know what I mean. Yes. Trying trying to divine slightly surreal meaning from odd dreams you had to solve a murder. Yes, and somewhere in this dream is the answer to what happened with this murder. <laughs> in, indeed, it's it's a bit Twin Peaksian. I I guess. I don't know, I, mean, I kept thinking about Twin Peaks while we were playing we, we it. We are like the dreamer. <laughs> we uh, are like the dreamer. It's a really fun little game, though. Yeah, it's really fun. I would like to try it with more people. Yeah. To see how that gets, and, and to like see the the final stage properly, and all the sort of bidding on what's yeah. right. I, I would love to play more of this. It's really fun to play on both sides of the equation. Yes. Um... Neither the ghost nor the human is inherently more fun. They're both fun in their own ways. Yeah. Um, it's fun as the, the ghost to have your DM screen, though. Yeah, I do like a DM screen. Mm. I've never had one before, and I DM a lot. So. Yeah, they're, they're, quite, they're quite fun. Mm-hmm. Ah, so that's, that's a game I'm excited to play more of. Yeah, definitely. I think that could be a new favourite in our rotation. Mm. 
We played another boarded game. <gasps> yes, we did. We played it well. Clank in Space Apocalypse. Yeah, an expansion to Clank in Space. Clank sort of... in Space. <laughs> uh, that that board game deck builder that we quite like. Yes. Uh, what what's new in this expansion? Well, there's two new board pieces. So uh, of the. Um, uh, segmented board that you can put together. Yes. Usually, uh, like the default comes with three. This is so. This is two whole extra bits that could or could not yeah. go in. Two two new modules. It features yes modules. That was the phrase I was. <laughs> I felt about. like you were fumbling for <laughs> Just it. Just flailing around <laughs> for the word module. <laughs> module. Yeah. Um. Yeah, and it has some new mechanics. So yeah. first of all, we have schemes. Oh yes. Um, so as you take uh, black bags out of the, the clank bag, uh, black cubes, black cubes, black cubes out of the bag, there is a chance that uh, they will be put onto the schemes. Yeah, black cubes are normally your like, oh few. <sighs> a black cube got took out of the bag, no one gets hurt. Whereas now it's none of us got hurt, but we're building up to a bad thing happening to us, so and they happen quite quickly. Um, they can do. They can do. Um, so I mis misunderstood the mechanic the first time around. I understand it now. Um, basically, there are basic cards that you start with in your starting deck and other cards you can purchase throughout the game that are designated program cards. And basically, by discarding one of them from your hand and having slightly less uh, ability in your hand that turn, you can take one of the black cubes off to prevent these bad things happening to both players and you have them to spend as currency later. Mm -hmm. um, and there's different difficulties of these these schemes. They're, they're sort of... It's a competitive game, but this is a cooperative element where it's like, it's in both our best interests to handle this. Yes. Plus our individual benefits, because we get black cubes that are useful. Mm -hmm. And you can then, like, there's spaces on the board where you can spend them to, like, draw more cards. Yep. Or, or, uh, or get a, a, a power crystal. Or get some health. Yep, or there's there's individual cards that might have a do this to power up. Yep, uh, there's that. Uh, you can get uh, victory points at the end of the game for them, potentially. Mm -hmm. um, there's a whole bunch of new... Um, like cards as well, yeah. As, yeah. as like I think there's like eighty cards or all that. Uh, I believe it's sixty. Sixty cards. Sixty cards. It's, yeah. It's a lot of new cards with a lot of new mechanics and lots of yeah. references to TV shows. So we we spotted like a Stranger Things reference in there. Yeah. Um, I'm pretty sure I saw the Reddit Android thing. Yeah, yeah. There's there's a lot of like. Oh, 11 from... Did you say 11? I said Stranger Things. Yeah, you said the Stranger Things one. I was trying to remember what other ones there were. There was, there was lots of pop culture references. There was happening. lots. Um, there was a Megazord in there, I think, it was where it might have been a Voltron. The mega, the mega feline. Yeah, it might have been a, it might have been a Voltron, possibly, but a big, big robot with multiple uh, limb parts. Yeah. And you, you swooped on that one. Oh, I did, yeah. Mm -hmm. um, and the other module, the other new module... Uh, one of the new modules is a teleporter room uh, with lots of, like, warp points. The portal uh, chain. Yes, and one of them is the mainframe, which mm -hmm. is full of lots and lots and lots of places where you can put your uh, cubes, your your hacking cubes. your hacking cubes to get an extra card, or mm -hmm. like it's it's an interestingly laid out space. Yeah, that we one. we still haven't played the other sides of that though. Yeah, we've not tried the other side. Uh, the the mainframe, the mains, the primary side of it. Lots of stuff to collect, but also lots of things to halt your progress. Like it's very stop start in the mainframe. Security checkpoints. Yeah. Um, yeah, and I think we specifically needed the mainframe. We didn't have to, but it was it was mentioned on the scheme, and they say like you're gonna have a bad time if you don't have these 
the, the places mentioned yes as yeah. like options within the game so and there's oh god i think there's something like 14 uh scheme cards yeah and we the, played one of the easy ones those, i died those <laughs> schemes seem like a really interesting way to incentivize communicating with each other rather than just playing against each other which is hmm. a nice thing i'd be up for, for trying more of those yeah. and we need to be more proactive about them in the early game because in in the early game i didn't have a chance i mean we both both of us could have discarded programs on our first turn to get rid of black cubes Neither of us did. We were like, ah, it's fine. Oh, God, there's four cubes there already. The first bit of the scheme's done. The first bit of the scheme is fine. It was the rest of it. Yeah. Um, yeah, that, that was a really fun little expansion, that. Oh, yeah. Uh, we played another board game together. Uh, Tiny Epic Max. Oh, yeah. Yeah, that arrived this week. That did arrive this week. That's another of the Tiny Epic games, which yeah. we very much enjoy. Yeah. Uh, so Gamelin Games, I think it's their latest release. We've talked about Tiny Epic Zombies before. They Gamelin do like small box games mm. that have like there's a lot going on in them. Yeah, usually uh, cooperative, but not always, as we'll yeah, uh, this get one to is today. In, indeed, a competitive one, and, and Tiny yeah. Epic Zombies has a, a competitive yeah. mode. You, usually, there's randomised uh, layouts for for environments that get yep. dealt out every game. Mm -hmm. You've got their little meeple that have holes in their hands, so you can put their item meeple. You can put, uh, you know, usually weapons in their hands. That's like the the hallmark of their games. That, I think. That, that, they are known for their item meeples and their small box games. Yeah. Uh, this one, however, is a co uh, a competitive one. Yes. Uh, do you want to explain how do? So you are... It's like Smash TV with mechs. You are on, like, a futuristic TV show where you're, like, competing against each other. F initially in your basic human forms, your squishy human forms, <laughs> and then in, like, sort of, like, power suits, and then, like, getting into the mega mech at the end, yeah. like... Okay, now I've got all this badass weaponry on me, and so yeah, you you basically uh, the board is laid out obviously depending on how many people you have playing. It's all sort of shuffled up and randomised. You have different uh, squares uh, be numbered between one and three, which mm. will be like how you score on those squares, yeah. and you will need to place down like turrets and mines. Yeah. Um, which will do damage based on the numbers, but cost you more to place them on those places. Yeah, that's that's the big thing. Like you want, uh, you want turrets and mines in as many locations as possible because they deal damage to your opponent. They collect resources for you on certain turns. Um, but as you said, the more expensive the 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 square, the more points it's worth. The more damage it might do, the harder it is to afford that space um and the the combat is is pretty simple you take it in turns back and forth depending on who started the combat encounter using a weapon each until someone either runs out of weapons and has to retreat or runs out of hp and has to respawn back at the their their base mm -hmm. at uh, which point i can double kill you oh gosh yeah you did uh, you did at least once manage a double kill on me where i spawned back into my own zone where you had planted something and I died upon respawn. <laughs> um, but I think the most interesting mechanic of this possibly is the fact that it's a programming game. Mm. Uh, at the start of, of every round, both players pick out... Or all players. Uh, yeah, sorry, yes. Uh, all players. All players pick out secretly what their next four moves are going to be. 
and you know put them out on the table covered up so you can't see what they are and then reveal them one by one going back and forth so you're locked into your next four moves regardless of what everyone else does so you, you might start having that moment of oh god oh god oh god i know where i'm going and this is gonna go terrible. <laughs> i'm gonna walk right into them this is the worst thing yeah uh, surprisingly, we kept mirror matching, like, yeah, different, was... different opening moves, but, like, mirrored, we, 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 like, we kept... ultimately, like, we might have switched what we did in position four with position three, but very often we were finding we were doing exactly the same. Yeah, we were doing the same four actions. Little dance around Uh, theory. yeah, heading to the same location, um... We, we, clearly that suggested to me that we were both on a good wavelength and, like, neither of us was doing things too foolishly. Um... But yeah, it's it's a really fun little game of playing that sort of ballet of when do I want to be popping things, uh, uh, collecting resources? When do I want to be spending those to power myself up? When do I want to go for the big mech? Um, do I risk if I leave this too late, someone's going to snipe it from me if they go straight for it? Um, it's an odd thing to try and plan that far ahead, isn't it? Mm. And, like, just gut-wrenching to go, I'm going to die now. Yeah, and be like, there's nothing I can do about it. I mean, especially in two-player, because it's not like anything's going to change before it gets back to your turn. Yeah. It's like, oh dear. Yes, Yes, you count up the things you've collected this turn. (laughs) I'm about to have to walk into you with my no weapons. Yeah. Uh, One thing that's interesting about this as well is the, the way the game is paced is it alternates between scoring and non-scoring rounds Mm -hmm. like you can earn points on the non-scoring rounds by doing combat but um every second turn uh at the end of the turn there's a bunch of things that you get points for which is like how where you've got turrets mines where you are uh if you're in the big mech so it really incentivizes like you've got one uh, you've got the odd numbers turns where it's like okay this is set up this is doing things for me getting myself in a good position and then it's oh no this is the scoring round uh do i focused to put down things that are going to score me points don't go and destroy my opponent's point scorers like that's the turn where it matters where things are mm. which is a, like it's an interesting back and forth yeah and and then you've got the shop as well for buying various weapons because the basic weapons you start with they're fine on your normal character and on your like um power suit but as soon as you get to the big mech, you can only use advanced weapons. Yeah, so, so yeah, so the, the the human can only have two basic weapons. The mid-size mech can have two normal weapons and two big weapons, and the big mech can only have four big weapons. So yeah, you've got that pacing of when do I buy weapons and when do I have enough weapons I feel safe trading up. Ah, hmm. uh, it's a fun little game that it is. The expansions are... Well, we've tried one of the expansions. Yes, so um, I got the Deluxe Edition, which includes the uh, loot boxes, <laughs> um, which basically on scoring, or at the beginning of a scoring round, the four loot boxes will be placed down, and that could be a chance to go into ad hoc mode, which means you can forget what you've programmed in, you can just go wherever you want. That is by far the most useful fucking thing you can pick up that ad hoc mode. It's great. You can also go into ad hoc mode if you died during your turn and you still got turns left, because obviously you won't be where you were before. <laughs> um, then we there's one that gives you full health, even if you're in the Mega Mech. Uh, or the Mighty Mech, I think it is. Yeah. There's the... Um, there's one that powers you up for free, so yeah. you, if you're in your human suit, you can go into your human suit. <laughs> if you're in human form, you can go into your power suit. 
Uh, what was the last one? Uh, a free weapon from oh, the weapon. Oh, a free weapon from, from, from the weapon shop. A free weapon from the... Uh, and, and those always spawn in set locations. So yes. if on a non-scoring round you are able to deliberately end your turn on one of those spaces, hooray, free thing mm-hmm. next round. Um, we've not tried the other one, which is cameras that you have to sort of play to the audience. Yeah, so if, if you're doing something particularly snap, I think if you, like, win a fight, you will get a camera following you, which gives yeah. you a, a chance to get more, uh, like, cash and, and energy when you do collections. Yeah. But if you, basically, if you do something not cool, like get destroyed by a mine or something, the camera stops following you because, oh, you stop being cool. But if you've got it at the end of the story, a scoring round, you will get uh, an extra point for it. Yeah. Mm. So we need to we need to try that out at some point. But yes. It's a lot of fun. I very much enjoyed mm. Tony Epic Max. Yes. Have you played anything else this week? I've played some more Magic the Gathering Arena. I think that's going to be like a recurring thing. Yeah. Uh, yeah. I, I'm i still no better. I'm, I'm finding myself playing blue decks. Not because I like blue decks, but because they win. I mean, I quite enjoyed playing that blue-green one we did when we drafted it. And you won. <laughs> See, I mean, blue deck yeah. win. So much for red deck. So much for that archetype. Is, is red deck not? No. Red deck win. Red, Red deck, deck win. win. Red deck win. Red deck win. That will do. <laughs> um, yeah. Um, I'm. I'm. I'm enjoying playing. It's yeah. nice to get to play as much Magic: The Gathering. And you're not feeling like you're, you know, running up against a wall of of the paywall too much or anything. No, not really. Um, I've not because um, I've been doing a lot of like like first thing in the morning before going to work, like work on the on the game. Like on yeah. on Festy Quest, I've not had as much sort of time to play it. I've been like letting a couple of days worth of dailies mount up. Yeah. So it's felt less like oh I'm missing out by not having got to like seal decks and things uh, yeah. like like um draft uh like paid for drafts and things. Mm. I have built up like seven grand in gold now. So yeah. I think it's all right. Um, I I will probably acquire more cards. <laughs> enough cards that I can maybe become a bit more competitive soon but well I seem to have come in at the right point as long as yeah. I'm getting like um like Theros stuff and everything beyond that well, come come the, the cycle out at the end of the year um I guess I will have mostly cards that are still good for another year well that's what I was gonna say and it, it's you seem to have jumped in at a good time and you seem to be having a lot of fun with it. So I've, I've been really happy seeing you play more Magic. That's nice to play more Magic. I would ideally like to play more Paper Magic. Now, but I, I'm more than happy to play more Paper Magic time. with you. Well, this is it. We don't always have time at the same time as each other. I'm glad you have an outlet for your Magic when I'm not around. Mm-hmm. Well, you got any others? Uh, I think that's it for me. Well then, time for this. Ah. <laughs> Do you find yourself just moping around the house? Oh, I just can't bring myself to do anything. Right, it's... I don't know, I'm just... I have the winter malaise. Try Happy Mist. Happy Mist is the room spray that brings joy into your life. Just two squirts will have happiness and joy spread throughout the house for up to two hours. Oh, that's really put me up, actually. Yeah. 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 Much better. Yeah, it's good, though, isn't it? Yeah. 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 Morning, Chinochi. Happy Mist outside. Oh, more than just 
Do you feel like the year is flying by too fast? Mm-hmm. Already wondering where one twelfth of the year has gone? Uh-huh. Try calendar. The calendar that you don't change the date on daily, but as you feel like it. Oh. Does it feel like it should be barely a week into January? Mm-hmm. Set your calendar huh, to the 8th of January. Sure, it won't slow down the passing of time, but it'll at least give you something to look at and pretend your life isn't flashing by at lightning speed. Where's it all gone? It's okay, just look at the calendar. Huh? Huh. Huh. <sighs> so. <sighs> what have you put in your eyes? Uh, very quickly I put a nice thing in my eyes this week. Ooh. Uh, at the weekend, when it got dark, I went to Canary Wharf in London to go see... Uh, Canary Wharf Winter Lights, which is where all of Canary Wharf, a bunch of Canary Wharf in London, uh, which is sort of posh banker territory, uh, gets turned into an outdoor beautiful little light exhibit with a bunch of different artistic uh, installations themed around various things all made of of light. Um, It was terribly laid out, I'll get that out of the way first. Um, You come out of the station and there is zero signposting as to where to start, where the next thing is, how to get from one thing to another. Uh, we were frequently, like, we thought we were following the the intended system and we would suddenly jump, like, six numbers up the track and be like, oh, where, where did we miss some things? Um, but all of the stuff we saw was really lovely. Uh, the start of the route was way too crowded. It was not the kind of thing where you could stop and really take in what was happening, there were just big crowds, you couldn't really see. There were signs that would explain like who the artist was and what they were trying to convey with the art, and often you just couldn't read them because there was a crowd of children sort of all making squabbly noises near the sign and you couldn't actually see it. Mm-hmm. Um, as you got maybe half, maybe two thirds of the way through, it, it, it really started to quieten down, and I think a lot of that is because Big winding route through London with very unclear paths. I think a lot of people either gave up on trying to find the way or had small children in tow who didn't want to keep walking, hmm. which is fair. And in my my opinion, I think the later stuff was the more interesting art installations. Mm. Um, but there was some stuff where water was being dropped down and light was shone on it to uh, make it look like words were falling in water. That was a really interesting little one. Yeah. Uh there was a sort of interactive thing with water and lights and sort of uh, ball pit balls. Um, ball pit balls. Yeah, yeah, ball pit balls. Um, do you remember that festival we went to in the summer? There was that fountain with the that that played in time with music and yes. did all the lights. It's very cool. Uh, imagine that, but like a city yeah. fountain, a yeah. big city fountain doing that. Mm-hmm. Uh, that was quite cool. Uh, there was some mysterious cage made of bisexual lighting. Quite right too. Exactly. Lots Quite... of lots of anal beads. Uh, lots of lots of uh, giant glowing anal beads. Um, you the could trees. walk through like a thunderstorm. Uh, there was uh, like a circular three D Windows Winamp visualizer. It really whipped the llama's ass. <laughs> um, and probably my favorite, the place where we ended the night, was the forest of gay trees. Quite right too. Yeah, it's just lots of rainbow, different colour rainbow gay trees in this sort of like astroturf park and it was really quiet and we just sort of sat and enjoyed the gay forest. Mm -hmm. Uh, It was was very pleasant. It was very nice to just have a free 
wander around on a nice evening seeing pretty lights. Mm-hmm. What about you? What have you seen this week? What have I seen this week? Well, we watched a film together. Oh, a short film. Ooh, ooh, we watched a film together. A, yeah. We watched What Did Jack Do? Oh, yeah, that one. Yeah. that that The, the short film. The, sh- the short film. Yes. Uh, so that's that's one of them David Lynch things, huh? Yeah. So I, I, I had heard rumblings that there was a new David Lynch short on, on Netflix. I was like, well, we have the flicks. Let's give it a look. Yeah. And we sat there for 17 minutes and went, huh. It, it's 17 minutes of David Lynch having a conversation with a monkey who I'm pretty sure is voiced by David Lynch. Yes, it's done that sort of, um, like, the lips are, like, superimposed over an animal. Yeah, it's very clearly human lips just pasted on an animal's face. And then, like, pitched up or down or something. Yeah. And best I can tell you, the narrative was about, um... The monkey was clearly a suspect in, like, a murder case, I think. Seems like. Um, in and, a train station, which had yeah. been locked down by the police. Yeah, sort of... The Officer Lynch has sat down with him for a cup of coffee going, like, trying to run somewhere, were you? Okay, let's talk, let's talk. Um, and there's some romance narrative going on that may have played a role in... Involving a chicken what happened. called Tutabon. Yes, Tutabon, the, the chicken... And I feel like it was supposed to be an allegory because there was a lot of, there was a lot of like, oh, I've never been with a chicken before, and I'm like, was was is this supposed to be an allegory for some kind of real world relationship taboo or something? I I don't know. It was quite a thing. I I mean I feel like I maybe need to watch it again. Yeah. To try and understand I, it. I don't want to. Because wanna, I did not understand it. I don't want to rewatch it straight away. I want to percolate on it slightly, but I'm like. It's 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 one of for something that was so straightforward. I feel like there was something going on that I didn't get. I felt like I got the surface level, and whatever he was trying to like on a grand scale tell us about was just going right over my head. It was so far gone. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's seventeen minutes. If you if you enjoy a bit of Lynch, it's some Lynch, and if you can watch it and gleam some meaning from it, let us know. I'd love to rewatch it with an idea of what was going on. Um, I did have a couple of problems with it. Yeah? Yeah. First one, don't approve of monkey in a suit. Ah, yes, 100%. Good point. Also, I don't approve of standing in a room, small room, smoking with a monkey. Yes. I don't know whether... I, I assume they were in the same room and it wasn't I think super there was at least a couple of scenes where they, where they were in the same yeah. room. Like, when he walks in holding the first cigarette. Yes. Like, I'm pretty sure they were at least partially in the same room for that. Yeah. But later on, when they're just having the back and forth conversation and it's just focused on Lynch when you can see him smoking. Yeah. I'm pretty sure that was probably shot separately yeah. for it- the sake of... Not needing the monkey to be well, anywhere too long. That was my assumption, but I also see your point that there probably was at least one scene where they overlapped with smoking around the monkey, which yes. probably isn't great. No, not really. Yeah. Any, any other problems? or uh, that, uh, that was mostly it. I think, I think that's a fair problem to have. Yeah. That sure was something. That sure was something. You know what other film we watched this week that sure was something? Sure was something, wasn't it? Oh, we watched Tusk. We watched Kevin Smith's Tusk. Yeah. So for anyone who's unaware of the concept of this, um, there was a gum tree ad in the real world uh, a few years ago where someone in Brighton was like, hey, I'll give you free room and board and pay you £800 a month. 
But for two hours a day, you will need to wear my hyper-realistic walrus suit and be a walrus. No communicating in human speech, just be a walrus for two hours a day. And Kevin Smith on his podcast uh, spent an hour uh, spinning this into a horror narrative and then convinced someone to let him make it into a film. He, I mean, he it's, doesn't have to convince anyone. He just makes films. That's what yeah, he do. Yeah, yeah, I know. But I mean, presumably, whoever's got the money to, to bankroll it happen. Oh, uh, yeah, I don't feel like that was super well bankrolled. <laughs> okay, that yeah, that's a fair point. But yeah, so Kevin Smith takes this this idea, this gumtree ad about a consensual live-in two hours a day walrus. Dresses a walrus and yes. turns it into... A body horror about literally yes. surgically making someone a walrus. What if an absolute asshole whose whole job was to be on a podcast that was deliberately offensive? Um, what if who... Joe Rogan got turned into a walrus? <laughs> yeah, it's what. What if? What if he didn't have his his person to make fun of that he expected to? So instead, oops, I'm gonna follow this weird shady advert, and now I have. A leg missing, and oops, now I'm sewn into a walrus skin. Mm. Um, that walrus suit is fucking terrifying. It's, it's pretty. It's, it's pretty fucking terrifying. Up. It's it's pretty. It's messed fucking up, yeah. terrifying. <laughs> it's yeah. That 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 film like takes a sharp turn. Like it goes from like that. The old man in that film is really like charismatic, and I could listen to him talk for forever. Well, he played the um like. Head evangelist, like the their leader of the the religious uh, the Christian cult in Red State. Yes, he yes. he he does menacing bad guys yeah, really well. But like he flips the switch in that performance to unsettling person who's just laughing while they don't answer your questions really well. Mm. Like all of those, like why why is has my leg been cut off? And he's giving all these answers and dude with his missing legs all like that doesn't make any sense though. It doesn't make any sense, and he's just there laughing and repeating the same things over and over, and it's creepy as hell. Yeah, because you're sitting there like, he's a really bad liar. It's like, mm. Well, here's the thing, he's a really he's bad still liar. Away with it. Well, he, that's the thing, he's a really bad liar, but he knows what you're going to do about it. You can't do anything about it. I've done this at least several times before. Yeah. Because the, the, the walrus suit, or like the skin for it, is made. Um, like, they're, like they're, you can see, clearly see a couple of, like, face meats on the back there. Oh, yeah, yeah. And then there's the other one that's just rotting under the water, so... How many people died? Yeah. And then there's the one that he wears as well. Yeah, I S- think... Sorry, spoilers for this film. Sorry. Which we are spoiling the fuck out, but yeah. yeah. It's, it's, I don't think being spoiled on it... Because here's the thing, going in... I knew the overall plot synopsis. I knew what was going to happen. I don't think knowing what's going to happen will make it any less impactful when you see it happen. Because it's all about the performances <laughs> and the visual art. Mm. Like, that's what you're here for. It mm-hmm. is it is excellent at that. Yes. Um, But, like, I think the motivation of why the old man is doing this is interesting. Yes. Like, clearly... That, that whole plot un- un- unravelling slowly as you, yeah, as you go on. I, I think it's a really strong motivation for that kind of villain. Okay, <laughs> I I don't know I I I don't think okay. anything can motivate someone to no, do that. No 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 no. <laughs> I, I apologies. Let me correct. I don't think any I don't think anything could could motivate anyone to do that. I mean, 
if you're going to have a narrative <laughs> where someone's going to do that, I think that's an interesting backstory to lead okay. up to yeah. it. Yeah. Sorry, is that a better way to put it? Um, it, I, it's, I think it's it was, more feasible, yeah. I think it's a satisfying backstory that leads to this batshit bonkers <clears throat> endpoint. Yeah. I, I, I would I prefer what we got than if it had been I just want to torture people for torturing sake yeah, or something. Yeah, it's it doesn't feel like it doesn't ever feel like uh pornography or just like like torture it, porn. It it doesn't feel like they decided they wanted a man in a human walrus suit crying and worked their way back to a reasoning. It feels like they had a reasoning before they went ahead with trying to make it. Not like when I came up with my idea for a horror film, which was basically this, but an attack helicopter. <laughs> Literally just, okay, so they get abducted, and then they have, like, their arms broken and, like, stuck on their back. And, like, literally being turned into an attack helicopter. That's what you get for <laughs> being a big help. Goodness. So, yeah, Tusk is fucking wild. Yeah! Uh, we watched it. I was clinging to you for half of it, just like ah, <laughs> what's happening. The walrus is very unsettling. Uh, the the ending is. I mean, I I feel like it's it's a satisfying narrative conclusion, even if it's like it's a downer ending. I like a downer ending. Yeah, it's. <laughs> I mean, there was no way they could come back from that. Yeah, like, I think that. Yeah, I mean, we'll not we'll not spoil the whole thing, but yeah, I think. I think mm. it was the right ending. Yeah, because I think the alternate, the, the 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 quick and easy ending probably would have been kind it, of boring. It would have felt cheap. Yes, and I think that they laid the groundwork to justify why this ending had to be the way it was. Yeah, if you're if you're up for a weird, gory body horror horror film, you could do far worse than Tusk. Yeah, we nearly watched Videodrome, but then we remembered James Woods. Oh so, yeah, oh yeah. <laughs> uh, goodness. Uh, well, more on Tusk when we get to the listen segment, but uh, yeah, we almost watched Videodrome. Almost. And then James Woods. Yeah, we were like, oh, James Woods in it. Well, I guess not. Uh, well, what about you? What else have you watched this week? Uh, we watched the first episode of Picard. Yeah, I really enjoyed that. Yeah, I am very ready for more of that. I think they had a really interesting narrative setup for what they're going for. Hmm. I like that we got to see more of Data. Yes. Um, I think that those those returning performances from from the 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 show itself, those those actors clearly still know how to play those characters well. Oh, they should do. They were doing it for long enough. <laughs> yeah, yeah. God, yeah. Patrick Stewart continues to be stunning. Mm-hmm. And I like their justification for the action person that will be around Patrick Stewart to do all the action scenes. Mm. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Uh, I I don't want to say too much else, but like, (laughs) if you enjoy existing Star Trek lore and want to see something that has more Patrick Stewart and has really interesting implications for that universe, Picard's good. Mm Mm-hmm. Anything um, else? I don't want to say too much about that. Yeah. I think people should enjoy it. I I enjoyed it very much. Yeah, I I am very much in the camp of this is fantastic. Go watch it if you enjoy a bit of Trek. Mm-hmm. What about you? you? Got anything else? Ah, uh, yeah, I think I've got some other things. Mm-hmm. Um, 
very quickly, we have been watching the uh, we watched the penultimate episode of Good Place. Yeah. Uh, by the time that this goes up, the finale will have aired, and uh, hopefully, we will be sitting there going, "Huh? Yeah, they didn't I... tack too many endings on." That. I mean, so far, every time they've tacked an additional uh, obstacle and ending on. I've been satisfied with the ending. Yes. This was another episode where we got a new problem established and it got solved within the same episode, but the solution was really satisfying. Yes. Um, I really enjoy the philosophical conversation that this penultimate episode caused us to have about the nature of forever. Yes. And, and the nature of death. Yeah. It... We we sat and discussed what what we would do to solve the the problem that was occurring, yeah. and we pretty much nailed what they went with, which I yeah. think was like, yeah, yeah, we, I I don't know what they're gonna do with a double part yeah. continuation <laughs> of this. <laughs> what it, like the last two episodes has been like, oh, that's kind of wrapped it wrapped it up. Uh, oh my, oh, I mean, I guess okay, we could do a bit more of that. I'm. Sure. I mean, here's the thing. If you think of that penultimate episode, they wedged so much into that 20 minutes. I'm like, yeah, you've got time in 40 minutes to do something big. I'm super curious how they're going to stick this landing. Like, after all of these... Okay, well, that's it. No, that's not the ending. No, that's not the ending. What What do you do to go, this is the ending? Yeah, this is like a triple no-handed backwards somersault. I just want to know, like, we've, we've seen it so far. It's looking real good, but... What happened they've, now? They've given me no reason to suspect they won't land it successfully, but also... We've had two fairly good endings already. They're pretty close to the ground and, you know, they're going to have to whip their feet round pretty quick. Yeah. Uh, yeah. What, what about you? Have you watched anything else? Uh, no. Uh, the only other thing I watched is I watched a bunch of My Comical Romance music videos because I got tickets to see them. Whoa! <laughs> I, I missed out on the first set of tickets. And then I noticed there was a second date that had gone up before it got tweeted out, so I got two tickets uh, while that was the thing. And since then, they've announced a third one, and hee hee hee, I keep giggling at that tweet about, uh... It's the year is 2030. Uh, Mike and McGrath have announced their 600 uh, show in Milton Keynes Milton Keynes. Uh, due, due to popular demand. <laughs> I mean... Yeah. I've, one thing I will say... I imagine it probably feels quite cheeky to the people that managed to get the Saturday tickets and they're like, oh my god, I'm going to see their first show back in the UK after nine years of not playing. Oh, they've now announced a third show that is before the Saturday show. Oh shit. That's, that's kind of cheeky to the people who got the Saturday tickets and had geared themselves up for, I'm going to be the first in the UK to see them in nine years. Oops, there's people seeing them two days earlier. No. Which doesn't really make a difference, but I can understand why people might yeah. be a bit, like, feel a bit Sniped. Mm. Um, but um, also, they've announced like Germany and Russia dates. Yeah, they're doing some other Europe dates. Mm. They they seem to be doing doing the world circuit this this summer, and I'm all for it. Heck, in like a hundred and forty something days, I go see him. Woo. Ah, uh, right. Should we get on to the other thing well, that we have to talk about? Yes. Well then, time for this. new sponsor who's our new sponsor well do you like our content i do like our content do you want to see it in a place where you can t like talk about the content that you've heard on our podcast uh, yeah right and you want to be able to rate maybe there'll be like some competitions 
We could have like a little digital asses in a, in in like an app. <gasps> oh, oh, I'm I'm hearing very exciting things. Social media platform. Uh, which social media platform? It's a new one. It's just called social media platform. Oh, okay. yeah. It's it. There's about sixteen people on there at the moment, but everyone can have their own communities. Oh, this and, one, yeah. yeah. So everyone can have their own communities, and you can have little apps and games, and there's like digital asses that will lead you through all the things, and we get like uh, some bonuses if more people join our community. So you can head on over there, and we can go on for literally hours about all the content that we're putting up there. We're obviously going to have to move all of your laurakbuzz.com stuff to a social uh, media app, uh, uh, did, and all of my stone thank you radio. I, 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 I didn't know I'd agree to this if you yeah. if you signed the paperwork already. Uh, of course, I was, I was quite happy with how I was publishing my things. No. <laughs> We're moving your audiobook over there. It's oh, all no. <laughs> oh no! Everything's for sale on social media platform, so you don't even have to pay for it. Just head on over to the App Store or the other App Store for the other phones and and search for Queer and Pleasant Strangers Social Media App App. And you can join the community and find all of Laura's stuff and all of my stuff and all of the Queer and Pleasant community stuff. Just head on over there. It's QNPS102 is the, the quick the quick link. Bit.ly. I'm, 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 I'm going to be looking through the contracts to see if I can find my way out of it. I never sign out my contract it's content on this thing. Social media platform! I really don't want to be there. Inside the boardroom of Electronic Actor Softworks. Hi. 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 Yeah. Uh, so, so I've been, uh, I've been working on more monetization structures. Yeah. Nice. Uh, nice. You know, if there's one thing that we're known for, it's not making games anymore. It's making ways to take people's money. We make games. Well, we we make games so that we can then make things that aren't games that take people's money. I like taking people's money. Exactly. So you know, we have that monster collecting game. Oh yeah, yeah. And for the last few years, we've had that uh, that app on the old uh, on the old handheld. Where, yeah, uh, yeah. You could you could store all your your monsters and you paid a little fee, but then they were sort of stored in the cloud and like nebulously. Exactly, but like the idea was if your cartridge or your handheld ever got you know damaged, all of your collection was still there and it was all yeah. fine. Yeah. And you know we we charged some money for that and and people paid for it. Yeah. But it was an optional thing because everyone could move their their monsters back to their game because yeah. you know they the game supported all the monsters. Yeah. So I've been thinking. How do we do that, but more, uh, more us? More money-taking, not giving you things. Well, I mean... Locking you in. We do that, but we sell it box by box, so you can put maybe ten of your monsters onto our thing for a standard fee, and then you pay DLC to unlock more boxes. Well, see, that's a good starting point, but I'm like, I'm thinking big. So, we... Double, maybe triple the price of this service per year. I like that. Yeah, yeah. Then we threaten that we're going to ch- close down the old service. Yeah. And that service is going to be the only way to get stuff to the new service. So right. they're going to have no choice. They're going to have to bail ship on the cheap place to store their stuff yes. and hop to the new one. Yeah. Or lose all of their monsters. I and, like it. You know, never bring them over. Oh, fear of loss. That's, yeah. that's really how fear we get them in. Fear of loss. And then, then, here's the kicker. None of our... Uh, Actual game support all of the monsters yet, so we don't give them enough space for free that they can store all of the ones that can't go, you know, back to the offline storage. Right. So 
they're gonna have a few hundred monsters they bring forward, because if I don't do it now, I'll never do it. Yeah. And if they ever stop paying us... We take all their monsters. We take all their monsters. Oh, I'm just gonna sit there every month, and every time they don't renew, I'm just gonna sit there, and I'm gonna individually delete all those accounts. Oh, God. This, I know, right? The joy of, haha, you missed your payment. Your shiny ra rat is uh, gone forever. Yeah, bye, Shorkle. <laughs> oh, I love the fact that we can, we can force people into a money-making machine. It's beautiful. You are a fucking genius. Gotta fleece them all. <laughs> so, huh? What have you listened to? I have listened to the podcast in which Kevin Smith uh, talks about the creation of Tusk, Ooh. which I need to find the uh, the episode name and number because I don't have that to hand. Uh, uh, so this is episode 259 of Smodcast, S-M-O-D-C-A-S-T, um, in which pretty much the entire script for Tusk Happens as an improv back and forth over an hour, almost completely unchanged from the final script, and that is, I think, what what I found really fascinating about listening to that podcast is how beat for beat they had the narrative down in a first draft. Um, there there are obviously little changes here and there, but like watching the credits of that film, there was a little section of the podcast played mm. and. Like, that is pretty representative of what that podcast episode was like, is over the course of an hour, they hashed out a pretty consistent logical theming for a film. And I'm like, listening to that really gave me some respect for Kevin Smith's storytelling and, and filmmaking ability, because it's like, there is something weirdly magical about seeing a fully formed idea for a film that, like, consistent and well thought out evolve that seemingly easily mm. um it, it gives a real respect for like oh oh that is that is a creative brain you've got there oh yes that is that is someone who very like i i can understand why this person is given is able to get money to make films i wish he was but he's not though all I mean, like he he's pretty much had to independently put up like three of his last four films Oh, I mean, yeah, and that's like the the Jay and Silent Bob reboot is being like taken on the road, like like we're taking the the one film canister we have on the road to theaters to show it. We'll be there to like chat to people. We'll make it a whole thing, but this is it. This is the only time it's appearing in in a cinema anywhere. It's coming to your town, and then we're driving it across country. That's fucking wild. Right? That... Yeah. <laughs> I, I mean, I, if that's what it takes to be independent and he still is managing to be successful with, with all that <sighs> stuff and managing to keep all the people involved... involved. I mean, it, it's damn impressive to be able to make... To, to have the creative brain to come up with something like this and to be able to make it happen with full creative control. Because, like... For something like this, I can see how if you were having to pitch it around and not do it independently, you could come up with some get some real roadblocks of, well, that's a bit much, isn't it? Yeah, and I feel like like if 
if it hadn't been for those first sort of five films, it probably wouldn't have happened. No, no. But as a result of that, he has put himself in a position where he is able to go, it's my film, I'm making it how I want it. Yeah. Um, we're going to pay for it. We'll probably get some funding from like yeah. an arts council or some like... Yeah. But it's... it's uh, uh, if, if you watch Tusk and find it interesting, I would hugely recommend listening to that podcast episode because it's... It's just an interesting insight into, like, it, it's fascinating to see how much of it was was there on that first pass. Uh, what about you? What have you listened to this week? Um, well, I listened to uh, Replay 2019, a metal tribute to the history of video games by Family Jewels on YouTube. Oh, yes. Yes. Um, so this is just a, uh, literally a metal tribute to the history of video games. So, um... Pong, Gunfight, Breakout, Indy 500, Space Invaders, Asteroids, Pac-Man, Frogger, Dig Dug, Spy Hunter, Tetris, Super Mario Brothers, Legend of Zelda, Final Fantasy Prelude, Mega Man 2, uh, Dogs of Wily Stage 1, uh, DuckTales The Moon, F-Zero Mute City, Sonic the Hedgehog Green Hill Zone, uh, Kirby Dreamland uh, Dream Dreams, Doom, A1M1, uh, Earthbound, Home Sweet Home, Chrono Trigger, Pokemon uh, Red and Blue, Castlevania Symphony in the Night, Metal Gear Solid, uh, Silent Hill, Doom 2, Halo, Elder Scrolls 3, uh, Call of Duty, World of Warcraft, Shadow of the Colossus, Wii Sports, Portal, Super Smash Bros. Brawl, Minecart, Mass Effect, Mi Minecraft, Mass Effect 2, Dark Souls, Xenoblade Chronicles, Fire Emblem, Shovel Knight, Undertale, Overwatch, Persona 5, Octopath Traveler, and Devil May Cry 5. <sighs> oh, And I remember, like, seeing that going, oh, I don't really have time to listen to that now, but I'll just, just pop it on for a couple of minutes and, uh, and just listen to the first bit, see if it's any good. I don't know this person. I don't know if their stuff is any good. I'll, I'll give it a listen. And then 20 minutes later, I was like, well, I'm running late, but I had a really good time listening to that. <laughs> Yeah. They're very talented. Yeah, I've heard some of their stuff before. Uh, they do lots of very good metal metal covers, but sh ooh, that was 20, 20 minutes that flew by. Right. 20 minutes well spent, I think. Yeah. Uh, have you listened to anything else? Uh, uh, I finally properly got into trying to listen to The Adventure Zone Graduation. Because I tried when the first episode came out, and I really struggled with it. Because it was a lot of characters... A lot of locations, a lot of plot points, a lot of things like being introduced all at once. It was a lot to try and keep track of. Mm. And that sort of scared me off listening to it. And I wanted to wait until there was a bit more of that first season to see if it sort of uh, settled down and calmed down a bit. Uh, I've listened through the first like three episodes now. And uh, I feel like I need to go back and re-listen to those three because there are a lot still. But... I feel like it definitely starts to settle down a few episodes in. Yeah, I found it kind of weird pacing-wise for that, because mm. it feels like the first episode goes, bleh, information dump. And then, like, you spend the next, like, un what are we up to now? Six? Yeah, yeah. So you then spend, like, like another, uh, the next episode after that is sort of, like, unpacking some things and yeah. getting a bit more into the world. And then it's, like, three or four episodes of... Just doing a mission like they would in in Balance Arc. Yeah. With a bit more finance and, and accounting-based yeah. stuff. I, I get the impression from the outside that 
Travis is definitely a very, like, I have so many ideas and I need to get them out of my head kind of DM. Uh, he's constantly thinking up new things. Like, he's, he's, t he's tweeted about, like, coming up with ideas for characters in the middle of the night and writing them down and going back to sleep. And those early couple of episodes feel like... Uh, Here is mm. my world. Well, I, I feel like maybe part of the curse of this is because the Adventure Zone has been so successful on a couple of big arcs, there is a lot of pressure if you're DMing that to be like... I, I can understand how you might feel like right from the start you have to show that this is capable of being a big, rich, detailed world that's going to have all these things that are going to pay off so that people who in, you know are still at the sort of emotional height of the end of a, of a campaign can go, oh, oh, there's all these things, all these things that are going to be things, and, you know, can feel some of that excitement near the start. I yeah. feel like that's maybe where some of that is. That sort of, I have to, I have to show, like, the number of characters and settings that, like, a end of season has mm. from the beginning. Yeah, I maintain that first episode is really tough to listen to. It gets easier as it goes. It settles down, becomes easier to follow... If you, like me, listened to that first one a couple of times and couldn't make it through it, don't be put off. Give it another go. It does get easier to listen or, to. Or do I did listen to the first episode, almost immediately forget most of it, and then forget most of it apart from the three characters by the second episode, and then just sort of go like, okay, I sort of understand the setting. They're out on a mission. I can work with this. It's all new stuff. I really only like focus on the main three characters, and... Sure, we'll talk about other people when we get back to, to school, and there is, like, a lot of stuff going on. Like, there's, yeah. like, cliffhangers and family backstories and all sorts of other things going on, and obviously um, Fitzroy's, like, whole wanting to be a knight thing, yeah. and we're six episodes in and Fairbog still doesn't have a name yet, but Justin's happy about anyone calling him. He's like, no, I'm a Fairbog. We don't have names. <laughs> Oh. I mean, I only settled on trees because I, I just like the idea of her panicking and going, uh, name, uh, looking around, looking around, jeez. Uh, <laughs> uh, yeah, it, it's a very different season. I'm, I'm glad that I'm getting into it a bit more than I was. Uh, what about you? You listen to anything else? So, yeah, I listen to a new podcast, um, or I don't know how new it is. It's new, new to, to me. You. <laughs> uh, it's it's called um, How We Got Here by Transport for All. It is hosted by uh, Katie Pennick, who I basically encountered on Twitter sometime last week, yeah. talking about how she'd tried to get on a train, and now she was sitting in a train station having to watch the train leave with five minutes to go, but she could not get on the train. Oh. Because she had been late getting off her bus, because the bus driver would not deploy the ramp until, like, 20 other people had got off. Yeah, 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 So yep. she couldn't get her wheelchair out. So then she got to the, the train, and they were like, no, there's only five minutes before the train's going, we can't set the ramp up for you now and get you onto the train. And, like, then there was a whole thread about, like, how in like how it is massively inconvenient for like disabled travelers to yeah. to deal with all of this stuff and and how like that can really add up having to just plan and plan and plan yeah. um and she mentioned as most people do when when things get a bit of twitter traction about the 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 uh, the podcast 
or other things. Um, it's about five episodes with various people with different disabilities talking about what life is like. Ah. Um, and so the first episode is uh, I can't remember his name. He's, he's in his fifties. He's talking about how like he's been a wheelchair user all his life. Um, and what transport on a train used to be like back in the day. Like, the fact that they... He was talking about, like, they didn't have any, like, proper accessibility. Like, coaches had... Uh, or train train doors had slam doors on them. So you couldn't get a wheelchair physically through the door. So they had to get them on, like, the guard's cart. Which meant basically just wheeling him down off the, on the, off the platform. Bumping him over the rails... And then having to like lift it, take him out of the chair, lift him into the the cart, lift the chair and get him back in the chair. And then he sat in this guard cart, which is just like slats of wood. And the guards in there with like the the male and like just like who is this rando that's been put in here? And then no necessary guarantees that anyone would be able to get him off the other end. So he'd be sort of just hurling himself off a train. Oh, goodness. <laughs> like, and, and just the difficulties of that. And talking about how things have changed since then and, mm. like, how his, his disability got worse as he got a bit older. Um, and how it had gone from being, like, oh, I'm a kid who has, like, a, a, a leg brace. Yeah. And, like, the way he used to be teased. And the fact that it was made of, like, iron rather than steel Ooh. so it used to rust if he and he was forced to go and sit out and stand out in the in the rain doing sports but no one would pass him a football so he basically had to stand there rusting in the cold oh because God. that's how they treated kids in the 70s what's this podcast called the podcast say? is called how we got here but you need to make sure that you add transport for all or tfa because uh, there are lots of people who have decided to call their podcast uh, How We Got Here. Uh, yeah, I just found one called How We Got Here that did not appear to be that same podcast. Yeah, so and, and Transport for All, you can find out more about Transport for All um, as well, because it's uh, like disability rights stuff um, and mainly seem to be focused about transport things, which I suppose makes sense. Um, they talk about like what it's like trying to get uh, a wheelchair uh, through the London Underground. Like sometimes you won't be told ahead of time that the lifts aren't working at your destination station. Yeah. So you'll get there. You'll you know nothing's been said ahead of time. You get to the station you were like had planned to be at, and no, you can't leave the station because you can't get up. Uh, was it Mick Scarlet? You were Mick Scarlet was yes. the first episode. He talks about like taking his wheelchair on the, on the fucking escalator. I do not know the mechanics of that, but it is terrifying. Uh, yeah, no, this sounds like a really interesting podcast. Like, it's I'm absolutely fascinating. I'm sat here downloading the the currently available episodes as we talk because I want to check this out. It's it's really interesting. It, it also helped me answer a question because the, um I saw like a mutual share something on Facebook the other day that really wound me up. And it was a person holding uh, like a white cane looking at their mobile phone and they captioned it, it's a miracle. It's like, there could be many reasons why that yeah. person needs that cane. I don't really know what any of them are, but I I feel very uncomfortable about this thing yeah, that has, yeah. been, has been shared. So 
like I think it's the last currently available episode of the podcast. Someone who um she's uh in the House of Lords. I can't remember what her name is. Um she is partially sighted but uses a cane and like depending on if the sun is too bright might become almost completely blind. Yeah. And a bit deaf. Um and like how like depending on how stressed you are or the light levels or other things that can really affect your vision and that very much covered the some people and, and so apparently some people just hold the white cane as a sort of warning to people of i have limited sight yes you know maybe consider that indeed yeah. it's a, it's a really interesting podcast and I... it help will help anyone it... who doesn't have a you know, a yeah. disability in the family. Understand a bit more about these yeah. things. It it is one of the most that is one of the most podcast recommendations that I have most jumped to go and listen in a while. Thank mm. you for recommending me something that sounds Sorry. like totally my jam. And who was the the person behind that? Uh, the person behind it is oh well, Kate, Katie Panic hosts it, um, but I can't remember who it is. She is in one of the episodes, uh, a ninety four year old woman um, who is like the head of tra- transport for all and apparently she became um disabled at the age of like 70 something and that they have a, a beautiful conversation about how like we have this thing in common that you have had this uh, condition all of your life i've only had this i i, I got through most of my life w- without becoming disabled but it can happen to anyone and we need to make sure that transport is accessible for people and stuff. Yep. I just checked out their Twitter. As of seven hours ago, they were trying to get off a train and they were supposed to have someone appear at that stop with the ramp to let them off. And they didn't. And they were like, oh no, I cannot get off this train. There is a, there is a drop and I cannot do it in my chair. I, I definitely recommend following yeah. Kate on Twitter. You will hear some horrifying stories about transport in I the UK. I have just given Katie a follow and I appreciate the recommendation. Mm-hmm. So yeah, have you listened to anything else? Uh, I think that's about it. Well then, time, time for, for this. this. Are you ready for this year's hottest new album? Yay! A compilation of all your favourite tracks. Yay! It's time for now that's what I call either 2006 or 2020. Uh-huh. Here's songs from My Chemical Romance, Green Day, <gasps> Panic at the Disco, Ooh. System of a Down, yeah. and Rage Against the Machine. You'll know you're feeling angry, but be unsure whether it's about Brexit or the Iraq War. Now that's what I call either 2006 or 2020. Order, order. Now, everybody, we here at the Mayonnaise Marketing Board, we seem to have got a bit of a bad reputation. We've stagnated somewhat, I think. Stagnated? People seem to think that mayo is a nasty sauce. Well, it's sort of gloopy and there's not much to do with us, is what they say, you know. Garlic, perhaps. Maybe a bit of uh, sriracha. And of course, we were far, far superior to the bloody salad cream people. Well, of course, of course. But we're really struggling to spread into uh, new and emerging markets, it seems. Well, indeed. I've noticed recently that uh, hummus appears to be moving into some quite interesting directions. We've yes, had, yes. Uh, like, chocolate brownie hummus. Oh, those dessert ones. Dessert hummuses, yes. A chocolate brownie hummus, a cookie dough. So what we're thinking is perhaps we could move into the... Dessert mayonnaise. 
Oh, so like a like a apple pie mayonnaise? Apple pie, a, like a creme caramel. We already have the eggs. Oh, I suppose so. A toffee sundae mm. mayonnaise. Mm. How about like a chunky chocolate mayonnaise? Uh, I mean, chunky's not usually a word I want with my mayonnaise, but sure. Well, we could put like chocolate chips in there or something. I suppose we could. Do we have any other suggestions? How about like a raspberry pavlova? You could have like a little bit of meringue in there and some... Some fresh fruit. That's a brilliant way to use mayonnaise. Well, if anyone else thinks of any more, but I'm ready to move on the ideas we've got so far. Yeah. Hmm. Question time. Let's have questions. What's the questions? The first question is a leftover one from last week because I didn't see it in time. Uh, so this is from Samuel West. Thank you, Samuel. Uh, what is your favourite recipe? Oh, favourite recipe. Do you have a favourite recipe? I mean, I really like tagliatelle with a, that spicy bolognese sauce. Um, but oh. I'm probably going to have to say the ultimate chocolate cheesecake with a hobnob base. I mean, that's a real good contender. It's been <sighs> since, I think, since the first episode since I mentioned it. So, yeah, yeah. Uh, I guess I can do that one again. It's mock potato with a bar of dark chocolate, a couple of tablespoons of icing sugar, and a little bit of vanilla extract if you want. Uh, that'll make your, your inside your bits. And the outside your bit is just smashed up hobnobs or other oat-based similar biscuit. Um, and then, like, with some white oats to make it together. You crap out of two-thirds of the packet of hobnobs. That's your base. Stick it all together with some things. Stick it in the fridge. Bish bash Literally bish bash bosh. Uh, yeah, bits up the tofu. If it's a bit thick, you can add a bit of, uh, like, silken tofu, by the way. Yeah, that was tough. Uh, silken tofu. Bit of soy milk just to thin it out a little bit. And, yeah, and then, like, two hours in the fridge to let it all just really sit nicely together. Big fan of that. I'm I'm a big fan of warming, real simple to make uh, meals. Mm-hmm. I really like uh, I, I really like a good stew, but I was gonna go for uh, the student pad thai. Oh. I I like just packet noodles, some frozen veg, and then you make up the you, you do soy chunks and you cook it all up in basically peanut butter and sweet chili sauce mm-hmm. and a bit of garlic, mm-hmm. and it turns out real nice. It's just like a few things you can chuck in a pan and suddenly be like, here is a mountain of food that will warm the soul. Doesn't really resemble an actual pad thai, but the recipe I found when I found that was, this is what we call student pad thai. Yeah. And, okay. And that's the name we go with now. <laughs> it, it is not a pad thai, but it is a delicious, warming, spicy, creamy thing. Spicy, creamy thing. Yeah. Kingping asks, what's the worst thing you've ever drunk? Oh. That's um, an actually intentional drink, not something that, like petrol or something. Yeah. Oh, goodness. You're making me delve into the, the recesses of terrible drinks. Um, lychee juice? The smell oh. of lychee just makes me want to gag. So that, um, probably. I was in Malta a few years ago and they have a deliberately incredibly bitter orange fizzy drink. Ooh. Like, we're not talking like, you know, San Pellegrino or something that's got a little bit of, you know... Yeah, like but I'll suck that. on all lemons. So. Uh, this is, I would argue, probably more bitter than that. Ooh. It's it's like its whole... Th- it feels like, you know, those things marketed over here to, like, teenagers. Like, ah, oh, it's so sour, you're going to oh, burn like your taste... Yeah, like burn your taste buds off. Okay. It's the bitter equivalent of that, but it's like Ooh. a fizzy orange drink. <laughs> and as someone that's not huge on bitter... That was not lush. for me. Um, also, not me, but my the worst thing I've ever been in the room when someone decided to drink was uh, vodka mixed with milk. I mean, I've had a white Russian, so I, 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 it's, it's just missing the Kahlua and you've got it. I here's the thing it it was it was weird in the process that it happened, which was someone really wanted to keep drinking. We had no mixers left, and they were like. Oh, okay, you can't drink anymore because we don't have any mixers. There's milk in the fridge! <laughs> and it it was just a very strange sight to see 
them pour some vodka into what was left of the milk carton and drink that. And I just remember being slightly terrified by the prospect. I think in my brain I thought it was going to curdle the milk. I don't know if that's a thing. No? Okay. Uh, no, I mean, I used to make dirty white motherfuckers, and that's, like, mostly milk and spirits. I, I suppose. Here's the thing. Other spirits don't weird me out. Vodka, for some reason, my brain goes, oh, no, don't mix that with milk. It's just because vodka's not very nice. Well, cheap vodka's not very nice. Well, yeah, there's that. I love the way people describe it as, like, a, an odourless, tasteless substance. It's like, fuck no. Fuck no. <laughs> uh... No. Um, yeah, like, whiskey. I don't really like whiskey at all. That's pretty fucking nasty. That's a nasty thing that I've drunk. <laughs> Lucy asks, what is the best worst thing? The movie stuff? The no thing. more heroes? The game No More Heroes? I mean, or, I'm not into it. <laughs> or maybe, maybe Power Rangers the first movie? That was good bad. That's, that was very good That's bad. That's one of my favourite things that is bad. Well, I'm, I'm glad I got to share your favourite <laughs> bad thing. Omegon the Saint asks, what would be your conduits and what would be the resulting powers? As A, a PC, or B, a major NPC slash potential boss fight. What what conduit would you be? Conduit of silly. I feel like silly or haunt. <laughs> or some combination. Can you combine those two words somehow? Saunt. G- g- conduit of horny silliness. <laughs> yes. Or silly horniness. Yes. I'll make you laugh until you orgasm. <laughs> That's my power. Conduit of over-preparedness for me. Yay! Woo! And what would your power be? I would have the ability to know absolutely everything that was going on in my schedule off the top of my head uh, without having to double and triple and quadruple check it. I, I would feel just... like it also comes with a level of, of like precognition. Yes, So you're yes. so prepared, you're prepared for things it's, that haven't it's, it's almost like uh, Lauren's last season Dice Funk power. Where she got all yeah. the, the sort of, ah, I was prepared for this. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I would be the conduit of having overprepared, and every, once a day I'd be able to go, aha, I prepared for this. And how would you use that in, say, a boss fight? Someone goes to, you know, fatally shoot me in the heart, and I'm like, aha, I prepared for this. There is a tiny shield right over my heart. Ah, uh, yes, this, this, here is my, my drink flask. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Like, you know, I, I would be able to deflect a mortal blow somehow by mm-hmm. having pre-prepared for that attack. Mm-hmm. Um, I guess, uh, I guess my boss fight would be, yeah, I would just sort of tell silly, ridiculous and slightly surreal stories that also caused orgasm. <laughs> and then they wouldn't be able to fight me anymore. Just rolling on the floor, squelching and laughing, unable to fight. Welcome to my world. <laughs> <laughs> Welcome to the land of squelch. <laughs> and queer and pleasant strangers. Uh, Calidry asks, uh, when you and Laura are finally able to tie the knot, what would you like your surnames to be? I think we've discussed this before, haven't we? Have. We have. You said you were going to keep Dale because it's uh, it's well, part of your brand. And well, I said I was going to be Magnet Dale. Well, I think... Because I can be jammed. To be, to be clear, um, what I said that on, on official things like my publishing byline, I will still use Dale. Uh, but I would like to take your name. I'd like to be a Magnet Dale. On Magnet paper, Dale indeed. I I want to I want to take your name. I want to be a Magnet Dale, but also I am now an author with published books, and I have to keep a consistent publishing byline. Blah blah blah. Publishery things. But I don't mind. I never said it was a problem. No, but I'm just. <laughs> I feel that the way after the way you pre- presented it, I'm like, no, no, no. It's not that I don't want to take your name. It's no, I didn't say you didn't want to. <laughs> I'm not. It's, I'm not I'm chatting. Ta- no, I'm take. I'm taking your name. But I will be one of those writers, like, 
a lot of writers where yeah, yeah, yeah. my legal name and my publishing name are not the same name Absolutely. anymore. But I want to be a, a magnet Dale. I want to be a magnet Dale. See, you should be the other way around, because you're a Dale magnet, because uh, I, I am stuck to you. I, I can't, because <laughs> I already know a Jane Dale. I know, I know. <laughs> I'm making a joke about how I am attracted to you, because you're a Dale magnet. Ah. Uh, Love you. Love you. <laughs> Ba- although Basin is suggesting magnet buzz. <laughs> I, I, I mean, isn't that what makes the vibrator work? The magnet buzz. Yeah, I think that's how motors work. Thank you too, Hill. Hi, Becky. Which supposed improvements, no matter how big or small, have annoyed the, li- the ever-living fuck out of you? iPhone headphone jack removal and my old job moving from Excel to needlessly complex record keeping system for a tiny company are mine. Ooh, do you have an answer ready for this? I I don't read the questions beforehand. I don't know if you do or not. (laughs) Don't. I don't have time. I was cooking dinner. Supposed improvements, like every time they've updated Facebook. Oh God! I feel that that's annoyed me. Uh, but not enough to not use the fucking thing, which is a shame. Going from having a virtual console on, like, the Wii, where I could get, I, I could pick up all of my favourite games from everything up to the N64, to now the Switch having, here is a very limited retro library that you have to keep a permanent subscription fee going to access, rather than just buying the games you want. No Commodore, no yeah. Turbo graphics. Exactly! That's a definite step down. Yeah! Future Fishy asks, what's your favourite season and what do you like about it? Autumn is mine. Uh, tell me about why you like Awesome. Uh, I, I mean, that was Future Fishy's. Oh, that was Future Fishy's. What's your favourite season? It used to be Autumn. Yeah? Well, actually, it's it's gone slowly back through a year. When I was really young, it was winter because possibly snow. Yeah. And then it became Autumn because I had some very, like, beautiful Autumns of just, like, I was in my neighbourhood, I w- didn't really have anywhere else to be, I didn't have any money, so it was just a case of just like walking around the quieter local streets, just kicking up like um, crunchy leaves yeah. and just enjoying the sort of peace and quiet and like the smell of autumn and just the, the beautiful golden colours and the, the sunsets and yeah. just all of that stuff. But now it's summer because... I have bad old bones, <laughs> and I need the warm. The warm make happy and comfortable. See, here's the thing. I used to be... I Winter is only ever my favourite if it's snow, otherwise I don't like it. So I don't put it first because it's conditional. Hmm. Autumn was once my favourite because, you know, that was sort of when my birthday was, and, you know, tail end of summer, it was it was nice, all the pretty colours in the environment. Now I would say that period in between, like, late spring into early summer, where it's bright, it's sunny, it's consistently that kind of weather, but it's not yet, oh my god, I have to sit with fans <laughs> on, with all my clothes off, and I can still, I, I need, like, ice on me at all times, it's too hot. And I can still feel something trickling between my butt cheeks. Yeah. I, I like, it's just starting to get warm, like, end of spring, peak of summer, uh, yeah. like, start of summer. Yeah. That's lovely. Mm-hmm. Where I can start going out in t-shirts and not thinking about it. Mm-hmm. Do we have any other questions? Uh, hammock snom. <laughs> uh, pesto, is it possible with tofu to make it with tofu, that is? Uh, you would know. I don't know about pesto. I, I, I don't know. I thought it was mostly basil. 
I mean, it is mostly basil, I think. Yeah, I don't, I don't really see where you would get tofu in there. Like, I've had vegan, vegan pesto. I don't think it contains soy at all. I, I don't know how to answer this question other than that. Um, so probably not. Like, there are there are vegan pestos, but I don't don't think tofu is involved. I'm gonna search tofu pesto live on air. Let's see tofu what we find out. Tofu pesto. Um. I'm getting lots of recipes for baked tofu, tofu and with pesto. pesto. Yeah. Um, not not for like a creamy oh, tofu pesto. There cre- you go. Yeah, you can make a tofu out of uh, a pesto out of tofu. It seems. There we go. Just head over to uh, planteatersmanifesto.com. Wow, <laughs> that yeah, escalated yeah. quickly. That, that that did indeed. <laughs> uh, that involves tofu and basil and nooch and some lemon juice and salt and pepper. Nooch. So. Yes, it is possible. There we Thank go. you, Google, and and <laughs> that manifesto. Yes. Hmm. Oh. Uh, Callum Serna. Hi, Callum. Hi. Uh, in general, when hugging, do you prefer both arms over slash under the other's arms, or one arm over, one arm under? I think we do one arm over, one arm under, don't we? Uh, generally, we do, because we're the same height. Yes. Now, I very much say that this depends on height. Yes. I... Like, because when you're standing on the step above me, I will always go under your arms and just hug into you. Oh, yes. And if I'm feeling, you know, a little bit on the small side, I'll go both arms under. But, you know, usually we do one arm over, one arm under, don't yeah. we? Yeah, because we're, 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 the, we're the right height. We're close enough to equal height. We are. Um, I mean, you're only, well, like, an inch shorter than me. Yeah, it's, it's pretty close. It, of the two of us, I'm probably the more likely to go under mm-hmm. on both arms, but we tend to one on one. Yeah, we tend to one on one. Um, like, and but when I hug Becky, it tends to be like either I will sco- scooch down and it'll be one over one under, yeah. or she will end up with a face full of my boobs. This is it. Like, <laughs> I'll tend to do an over hug. Like, if we're on an escalator and I'm on the upper step, I'll be like, "It's Joe, girlfriend." Sir. I am small, guys. And then if you're on the t- the the higher step, it'll be like, "I am small, girlfriend." Now. I will hug Yeah, we we do this thing where whenever we're at unequal heights on steps, we play tall Hello, girlfriend, tall girlfriend, tall girlfriend yes, small girlfriend. girlfriend. <laughs> <laughs> and it just it makes me smile every time. Uh, bonus question: What are your feelings about hugs in general? They're great. They're good for the soul. It's really good when you can have one of those like twenty plus second like. Get all that oxytocin. Y- you get your breathing in sync with each other. Mm. You 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 sort of feel like. Maybe, maybe we just never let go. Ooh. And then, you know, you, you do and you're like, it's okay. I feel I feel okay to leave. Those are the good hugs. Yeah, uh, yeah ravers give good hugs, right? Oh, ravers give the best hugs. Um, A rave hug is great. Right. Oh. Um, Yeah, big fan of hugs. Uh, and, and generally, I'm okay giving most people hugs. I mean... I didn't used to be. I Neither did Depends I. Depends how comfortable I feel. If I'm yeah. overwhelmed, like, I don't want to be touched oh, at all a lot. Totally agree. I, I get over oversensitive to sensory stuff when I'm overwhelmed, but, like... I am a big. I, I was never this person. I think. I think. I think. Rave. Rave hugs sort of <laughs> solved me on this. I have become a real big fan of like good long platonic friend hugs. Yeah. Give your friends a real good long hug. Yeah. Hugs should not be a, a thing relegated to romance. Hug your friends. Yeah. Let all those bonding chemicals out. Got to get those twenty second plus hugs in. Uh, tricky, hi Tricky. Uh, what's the best advice you have ever given anyone, and what is the best advice you have ever received? I mean, I think you probably need to ask the people that I've given advice to what the best advice I ever gave was. Yeah, yeah. 
the, the only thing that comes to mind where someone has come back to me and gone, that advice was really great, is I've had a few people who've asked like, hey, so trans thoughts and feelings, what do? Uh, who have then come back a couple of years later and gone, yeah, I tried those things and I felt much better and now I am out! And I'm like, huzzah! Uh, I, ha- I, ha- I have someone that is messaging me, like, was put in touch like, um, I have a trans friend, will you talk to them? I don't have any friends. It's like, okay, sure. I, I am currently helping a tiny eggy. Oh. <laughs> yeah, I feel like that's, that, that's the only thing I can think of that doesn't feel self, like, feel really conceited to say. That's like a. I feel okay with that answer. Uh, the, the only other thing I can think of was uh, talking to someone I bumped into at a rave, um, whose friend ran up to me like a, like I think nearly a year later and was like, "Oh my god, you helped my friend out so much." Yeah. Um, and that was basically about don't don't do drugs when you're on antidepressants. Be aware of what you're yeah. taking. Full stop. And research how the things that you are on that are prescribed might counter counteract and work differently with things you might be taking recreationally. Mm-hmm. Yeah, be very careful. Know what you are taking. Look after yourself. It is your body. And, yeah. you know, just... If people aren't making you very happy, maybe they're not the people you should be hanging out with. Regardless yeah. of how alone you don't want to be. Yeah, been there. Uh, in terms of advice like given to us... The piece of advice I always remember that I I got from a writing teacher when I was starting out writing was always go for the opportunities when trying to work in in creative fields that you think some uh, you, that you think people will say no to. Go for the things that are ambitious. Go for the things that you go, oh, I couldn't do, I couldn't do that. That's that's just a bit. Of, that's a that. Uh, they'd never say yes. Those are the things you should be aiming for because those are the things that create steps upward and that has really helped me career wise to like like the the bots book with all the people the collaborators it's got in that would never have happened if i hadn't gone like fuck it let's ask everyone who i don't think will say yes and then you know a bunch of them said yes because what's the worst that's going to happen they ignore me or they say no in which case nothing nothing lost um some advice that I have received, I can't remember who gave it to me originally, but I saw it pop up on Twitter recently and I reshared it, was basically... Oh, I thought of another one. Um, was Is basically, don't be afraid to half-ass things. Yeah. Like, because if you get so hooked up on, it has to be perfect, it has to be everything I dreamed it would be at the very beginning yeah. in my perfect idealistic version. If you focus too much on that, you might never get a thing finished. So yeah. do a thing, get a thing finished. If you can polish a thing up thereafter, yeah. do it. But get your first draft done at the very least. Yes. D- don't, don't, don't spend so long trying to make a thing perfect that you never finish it. Yeah. Make the thing. And I, yeah. think, I feel like FestiQuest has been like that. Like, yeah. there have been things recently where people have gone, there is this bug, and I'm like, I can't fix that because I didn't write the engine. Yeah. And I do not have time to go through and rewrite all of the conversation in this game yeah. to make it work. That that There were definitely times I came across that when doing book writing. Mm. Where I had to just go, it. this is fine, I'll come back to it later. For now, this like I, I need to just not nitpick it and I need to, to keep going. Mm. Definitely, that's good advice. Yeah. Um, the other one is actually from Kevin Smith. <laughs> okay. Uh, which is uh, just encourage creators. Like, if you know someone who is a creator, just encourage them. Because you yes. never know when you will, might not get your next best 
like favorite movie or an awesome podcast you like or a piece of art you ne- you if you just encourage people who are like i want to try creating a thing i don't know if i should do it do it do it you'll be amazing and i will cheerlead you and i will share your things and i want to want to see you make the things this is this is it as i i fully agree with that sentiment and as a person who my first attempt to do writing was some someone at a site that was not going to pay me telling me your shit, you have no future in this, give up, why even fucking bother? You know, I think about that a lot and I'm like, I I could very easily have been that person that went, oh, okay, and just never tried again. And mm. God knows what things might never exist if you tell someone that's starting out, you know. Yeah. Yeah, if you don't encourage them. Yeah, I mean, and I think I got quite enough of that from my parents of like, oh, don't do that, you won't get, there's no money in that. Yeah. She's <laughs> money isn't mm-hmm. fucking everything. Yeah. <laughs> Just, just, yeah, just encourage people. Yeah. Because you can get some really awesome stuff. It might not be perfect stuff straight away, but if you keep encouraging them, you can get some really cool shit. Like, I know, I know amazing musicians and artists and all sorts of other things, and maybe they weren't super good when they first started doing it, but I'm like, yeah, you do a thing, that's awesome. And maybe they will look back and go, hey, maybe it wasn't completely awesome at the time. It's like, yeah, but look where you are now. Look at the awesome thing you are doing now. That's yeah. not to say that I'm insincere with people. Like, I'm not adverse to giving people critis- uh, like yeah. constructive criticism, but, but, but at the same time, like, do that thing. Yeah, get excited for the fact that people are trying creative things. Yeah, And that absolutely. people want to make things. Get 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 energy behind that. Mm-hmm. Get hyper. Uh, Bethany Turner. Hi, Bethany. Hi. Uh, if you could be any fantasy creature, what would it be, Cicalia? A fantasy creature? Yep. A jackalope, maybe? Ooh, cute. A, a jackalope seems fun. Hoppity hoppity antlers. Hoppity hoppity poke with a head hoppity, stick. Hoppity hoppity gouge to death. <laughs> no, just gentle poke with stick. <laughs> gentle poke with stick. What, what is Gored by a jackalope. What, what is this thing? I will, I will give it a poke, with the, give it a poke. with the head sticks. <laughs> the head sticks? Yeah. Aww. I love you. <laughs> I love you too. Head sticks. <laughs> Um, <laughs> uh, yes, Kalia. Human on the top half, cephalopod arms at the bottom. I mean, I would be my own tentacle monster. <laughs> yeah, I'd probably never get out of bed again. I would make quite a lot of porn. So, <laughs> but I think there would be a market for that. Uh, Blood. <laughs> I love that name. Uh, what's your preferred way of staying hydrated? Ooh. Squash, I guess. Uh, yeah, yeah, just, just I need to lightly flavour some water. Yeah, like, I know I shouldn't, I, I, like, I should drink more just water than I do. I know, but it's, you know, sugar, sugar-free squash is probably not doing too much harm to... It's not the worst thing. Not the worst thing to splash in your water. Yeah, I, I, I know the, uh, the sweetness in it, probably not the best thing, but... Yeah. I I try to I try to balance out like have as much water as I do squat a squash and sort of alternate back and forth in in the day. But yeah, I I am a squash fiend. Give me that flavour in my water. Water's boring without a flavour. You heard it here first, folks. Uh, Larry and it Larry yelling NB asks: Are two meat lovers pizzas stacked on top of each other a sandwich? I would say if you cut like a square section about the size and dimensions of uh, two pieces of bread out of that and served it to me and said, here is a meat and tomato sandwich, I would say, yeah, that's a sandwich. 
I mean, I think if maybe if you put the top pizza face down. Well, that's ob- that's that what feels I mean. More yeah. pizza-y. I, um, I'm not suggesting like double decker. I'm suggesting you invert it so it's bread on both sides. You know, get it into a square shape. I feel like that is basically fulfills all the needs to be a sandwich. I I think it has to be open at the edges, because otherwise it's a calzone. Ah, yeah. I I feel like it's. I think you mean Italian pasty. <laughs> yeah, like I think there's a fine line between you know a a pizza sandwich and an Italian pasty, but I think you could serve me conceivably something out of that that I would say yes, that's a pizza sandwich. Uh, Hail Fanner, Ethan asks, uh, if you could lead an army of anything you wish, what would it be? An army of ducks. An army of ducks. <laughs> well, that's mainly it, because I, I just love the thought of them in single file walking behind me like... <laughs> and would they get smaller in, in, into things yes! at the very end? Yes, it's like Russian <laughs> nesting dolls. Of, yeah, I would be the mummy duck and they just all want to be behind <laughs> me. <laughs> that's so fucking adorable. I just really love the image of this little family of ducks all just going... What was your answer? <laughs> I mean... I mean I, I, I was going to say angry working class people against the rich. But I, I mean, <laughs> that that's... sounds way more adorable. Yours sounds way more um effective. <laughs> I don't know. A better use of I can have any army I wish. Yeah. Disaffected working class people who've realised they have nothing to lose but their chains. I mean, just a thought. <laughs> that's my thought. Uh, Leo is an egg. Uh, says animal, vegetable or mineral? Fungus. I mean, fungus is pretty good. Right? Is, is animal? Is vegetable? <laughs> it's closer to one than the other. <laughs> Depending on how you feel about that. <laughs> yeah. Oh, Transient Railways. Also, Transient Railways. Interesting Twitter. It's, oh, that's a real good Twitter. It's like Welcome to Night Vale for trains. I followed that Twitter today. It's great. <laughs> Transient Railways asks, Do you have any solutions to a train filled to the brim with spiders? It's pretty urgent. Thanks. A train filled to the brim with spiders? Yeah. Can we get Arachnovolt to help? Uh, my suggestion was going to be get another train to catch up to it and connect to the back of it. Right. That is full of what eats uh, spiders? Um, birds? Birds? Uh, this is the little old woman who swallowed the fly situation. I see, right. Yeah. yeah. Um, we attached a train cart of birds to catch the spiders. <laughs> that wriggled and jiggled and tickled inside carriage 14B. <laughs> okay. Yeah, we attached a carriage of cats to the back of that, and then a carriage of dogs to the back of that, and right. so on. Yeah, and it... eventually horses. Yeah. And, and then... then just dead old ladies. <laughs> oh, God. No? Okay. Just a carriage of dead old ladies. Okay, fine. <laughs> I mean, uh, sure... Well, how about this? We get like a carriage of glassware at one side and a carriage of a carriage of beer coasters to come in from the other side. And then we just scoop all the spiders and carefully usher them off the carriage. How about we just parachute someone onto the train who can press the buttons to slow the train down so they could, the spiders can get off and go find some insects to eat. They probably don't want to be there, but they can't operate big buttons by themselves. Yeah. Well, there you go. I yeah. Okay. So, um, slow down at like a a suitable place. Make sure, you know, you're running on time and safely, and that there's not someone coming up behind you. And then just open the doors and allow the spiders off. <laughs> Tell them that this is that this train is no longer in service. This is the end of the line. Or you know, maybe send the ticket inspector. I need to see everyone's ticket, and then throw them all off. No ticket. 
No tickets. What if they have tickets, though? What if they have tickets? Well, then, the real question is not how do we deal with all these spiders, it's how do I get these spiders to their destination in a safe <laughs> manner? Uh... Oh, yeah. So, thank you very much for all of the questions. Time for this. Do you know what I want to see more of? What do you want to see more of? Social justice warriors. Social justice warriors? Yeah. Yeah. Hmm. Alright, Larry. Alright, Barry. How are you doing? Oh, not too bad, mate. Not too bad, are you? Oh, I'm alright, I'm alright. I'm a bit tuckered out. It's been a long one today. Yeah. Yeah? Yeah, how are you, Pete? Well, like you say, a bit tuckered out, mate. You've been uh, you've been up to much. Oh, uh, you know, as I, as I do, as I do, I've been uh, pondering, seeing stuff, having a, having a, having a, having a, having a think about the world. Yeah. And uh, this past week that went by, I was uh, I was having a having a train journey, and uh, I saw someone who was sort of just sat there absentmindedly uh, playing around with like a like a smooth stone or something. They're just sort of uh, moving their hand, uh, their thumb around on you know. It seemed like a sort of a a comfort item or something, yeah, yeah, yeah. and uh, you know, getting a getting a little bit of, uh, of a ribbon from the people around him. Uh, you know, nothing major, but just a little bit of. Oh, what you what you up to there? You know, just sort of drawing attention to it, and uh, it got me thinking about the whole um, how we as a society treat uh, comfort items or yeah. th- things that are innocuous and bring a little bit of comfort, but perhaps uh, are not of the norm. Well, I mean, who's to say what normal is? But yeah, I think I know what you mean. Mate. Yeah, is it not not a not uh, common, perhaps, is a way to put it. Yeah, put it. yeah. Like, here's the thing. I think that, like, I, I think at humans as a species, we, we tend to have these things that we do, you know. Some of them are normalised more than others. Uh, clicking pens when anxious in a meeting or something is, you know, quite a societally uh, seem as, deemed as acceptable uh, one of those, yeah, you know. Card players flicking their cards during during a game. Exactly. But for some reason, uh, you know, there's certain ones that seem to be... Uh, a little more frowned upon or a little bit more uh, judged and that's a bit of a shame you know be it yeah. uh, you know may- maybe it's someone who has a favourite pen and they always keep it with them even though that pen doesn't work anymore or uh, you know uh, like that example of a nice flat rock to sort of uh, sit and enjoy the sensation of or... yeah I'm a big fan of the smooth side of my fidget cube to be honest yeah but then on top of that you got stuff like uh, you know uh, old blankets, you know, old childhood blankets, perhaps, oh, yeah. or uh, you know, old stuffed toys, or uh, you know, anything of that sort of help. Well, I mean, especially with those things, because they have like those long, sort of anchored sensations of being like a calming object. Yeah, they they have sort of emo- often have emotional resonance as something that is a, a stable point in yeah. life, something that has calm associations and is, is predictable, something comforting. Yeah, absolutely. But like those things in particular, those sort of like, uh, you know, comfort items from youth are often sort of seen as quite, um, as immature to have in adulthood, which is a bit of a shame because, definitely, you know, they're absolutely arming no one and they're just, you know, nice things. Exactly, mate. You know, it doesn't do anyone any harm, but it feels like, you know, we... We live in a world where people feel that it's, you know, it's cool to be cruel about, you know, just harmless things. Just why, why not just, yeah, just let if, uh, you, if you're not doing any harm, just let people get on exactly. with things. I saw one of those uh, "Am I the asshole?" posts the other day that was about someone who was like, "Oh, my partner's lovely, my partner's lovely, but uh, he's got a bunch of stuffed uh, toys that he keeps in the house, and uh, you know, I I threw them out because I what? kept 
Yeah, because the, 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 yes, they were. In yeah, fact they the were. Arsehole. In fact, the arsehole. They were like, look, I've talked to them about it many times, and they my my partner's response keeps being, well, they're doing no harm, and they make me feel safe and you know comforted. And the partner just threw them out because they were like, nope, they're childish. They it, it's ridiculous that my adult partner has these things, and you know, I take it they're now single. Uh, yes, they are. Good. And fuck them. Fuck them indeed. But like that's that's the kind of thing where people are. Have such ingrained ideas about what is and isn't acceptable when it's harming no one. Exactly, and those people can fuck off. Exactly. Ah, oh, uh, you know, mate. Yeah, perfect comfort. Yeah. Comfort item. Yeah. We shall be each other's comfort items. Or, or, or one amongst the toolkit. Yeah. Yeah. <sighs> Oh, good out, mate. Good out, good out. Yeah. Yeah. All right, shall we uh, pop a kettle on? Yeah, I've got a cup of tea. Oh, it's nice. Laura? Yeah? Where can we find John's internet, darling? Laura K. Buzz in pretty much all of the places. Twitter, Twitch, YouTube, and Patreon. That's the one that pays the bills. Uh, you can find all of my stuff on laurakbuzz.com, which is where I post links to... Everything I do, be it uh, live streams, VODs, YouTube videos, written articles, wherever possible I try and do my articles as both a video and a written article so that they're there depending on which version you personally prefer. Um, I've got some books, Uncomfortable Labels, which is about being gay and trans and on the autism spectrum. That is out now where books are sold or as an audiobook on laurakbuzzstore.com. Uh, there is Things I Learned from Mario's Butt, which... I should imminently have the uh, the page layout designs for, and I'm very excited about that. Mm. That is coming out in October 2020, or a bit earlier if you back it on Unbound. Um, I've got podcasts. There is Pixel Squirt, where I talk about video game pornography. Um, there is uh, Podquisition, where we tell you whether your favourite video games are great and or perfect. There is Dice Funk, which is a Dungeons and Dragons real play podcast. I'm on seasons three, four, five, six, and soon season seven. <laughs> and if you're listening to this the week it comes out, I will be in the Netherlands doing a bunch of reporting on uh, a game jam and on the the local game development scene. <laughs> so look out on laurakbuzz.com for a bunch of coverage of interesting games about diversity and sustainability being developed in the Netherlands. What about you? Where are you on the internet? I'm Maniac Janiac on Twitter and YouTube, but most of the places I'm Stoned Monkey Radio. So you can find me on Patreon as Stoned Monkey Radio, and thank you very much to all the people who support me there. Why not chuck me a dollar a month if you fancy? If you don't, you don't have to. You should do I, it and I check out FestiQuest. Yeah, you can get FestiQuest if you, if, you, if you back me soon, and you can have that immediately. <gasps> Imagine how good that would be. Um, and, you know, if not, you could always just like and share and subscribe and things and leave nice comments on all of the podcast apps. Spread the word, friends. Uh, I'm also on stonemonkeyradio.blog where I write video gamey things. Hopefully I will play another game soon and I will have a chance to talk about that game. Uh, what else? I'm on twitch.tv slash janiac, J-A-N-E-I-A-C. Uh, you can see me streaming on Tuesdays and Thursdays. I'll be streaming shortly <laughs> after we finish recording this episode. And also, I am 
on redbubble.com slash people slash don't monkey radio you can get a butt plug soup phone case or a bath mat or a shower curtain or any of the other ridiculous things or a spukake t-shirt that if you fancy I, I need a new phone case and I'm really tempted to get a butt plug soup <laughs> one <laughs> do it imagine the shading I'm, I'm real tempted <laughs> yay sales <laughs> Uh, well then, Laura. Yeah? Yeah. Yeah. Sing us out, darling. Until next time, be a stranger. Do 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 do